0: Welcome to Hooplecast, I am your host Matt, and joining me are my newbie co-hosts, Carol, Matt, Mel, and we're a bunch of Hoopleheads. We certainly are. Durr. Well, uh, welcome back to uh, Hooplecast Season 3. Everyone enjoying it so far? Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah? Hey, we have a guest with us today. Welcome to the podcast's first appearance. You've heard his feedback before. Russell. Hey,
2: Yay, Russell. Russell.
0: hello. Hello. Happy to be here. Tell the people at home where you are Skyping from.
3: I'm Skyping from a a little room in the middle of Oxfordshire. So, well, I'd say middle is more the edge. So it's about uh, 15 miles from Oxford and about 25 miles from London, I guess. So in the countryside.
1: I had friends that lived there right up until just recently and they just moved. I'm not sure where they moved to. Oh, yeah? Yeah.
3: Yeah, it's a nice part of the world. Very uh, rural bit wet at times, but um, because we have plenty of rain here. But uh, yeah, it's a nice part of the world.
0: Oh, I bet it's beautiful there. Mm. Yeah, it's lovely. Oh, I'd love to live there. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes, I think I would. Have
3: you guys all visited England or?
0: No. Nope? I have yes. once. Yep. Yes, I've been to London and then I went out to, um, uh, there was like a, I don't know, not a castle, but I can't remember where they they filmed. They were filming a movie there at the time. Yeah. And Tim Roth was there and he's very short. He's shorter than I am, and I'm sure. Is that right? I didn't <laughs> yeah, know he was
3: short. Yeah. yeah. A bit like Ian McShane. He's very short, apparently. is
4: he?
3: Yeah, he's about five four or three or something crazy like no that. Way. No. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um awesome. in fact, Ian McShane, well, as you know, I'm a and as a lot of my friends know I'm a big fan of Ian McShane, but <laughs> but um and I have an apology to make because I was somebody who wrote in some uh I wrote in some feedback for Your Love Joy. Do you remember that for Your Love Joy? Yep. Uh... Yeah.
2: Mhm.
3: Sure. And I was I was just like what are these what did they they are just watching the wrong episode and I, <laughs> I I I pulled over at the side of the road as I was listening. I was so excited cuz I was like oh one of my favorite podcasts and they're now going to be reviewing one of my favorite TV shows <laughs> just by like coincidence. So I I got so excited and I watched the episode. And then I was like, "Oh, um, this is probably not the best episode to watch." but You know, we, we'll see what they we'll see what they think anyway. And then I was like, "What?" And I I don't think I think I said something like the host didn't know, you know, uh, or I said something about Shane, or it was oh, more about right. Shane. But what I have to say is, all it was really was Shane was is not as fanatically obsessed about Lovejoy as I am. So <laughs> that's.
5: Really,
3: <laughs> really what the reality is i think he
5: claimed to be but
3: (laughs) really oh yeah maybe i mean like he he he, you know he knew certainly knew some stuff about lovejoy but well anyway it's probably not good to go there in this we're talking about deadwood but um (laughs) ian mcshane is like he was just a you know sort of household name of course when that show and then when i first saw deadwood i was like lovejoy is swearing i'm i'm not i'm not happy with this i'm not happy with this at all and uh Actually, I lived next door to, um, uh, that she, she was the producer on, on a series of Lovejoy and I was ill for a while and I got chatting to her and I was, I was helping her with a computer and there was a picture of Ian McShane on the wall and he'd signed, um, to her, you know, and I said, Oh, you must have, you worked with Ian McShane. And she said, Yeah. And she next day, she brought me, this is way back when deep before DVD, she brought me a load of VHSs of the show of Lovejoy and, and, and let me watch it, which was really kind of a, but she said, you know, he was very short and very hard to work with. And I've heard from five different people, I've heard four terrible things and one good thing, which is when your heroes are like that, you're sort of, you're a bit sad, really.
6: <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm not surprised that he would be an asshole in real life. Not surprised at all. But no, I think did... he'd be like a, a hilarious asshole, though. <laughs> <Like> yeah, <laughs> that's
3: exactly right.
6: With. Does not mean asshole. Well,
3: not necessarily, no.
6: No, maybe not, but... Because you you
3: saw that stuff. Did you guys see that stuff about him dropping a load of Game of Thrones spoilers? Yes,
6: that was hilarious.
3: I mean, and the next day he was in the Independent, one of the main sort of uh, newspapers here. And he just said, I don't know what's the problem. And just dropped a load more spoilers. Like, Like, I have to admire him for his, you know, he doesn't care. He doesn't give a damn about stuff and at the same time he's a phenomenal actor so he's you know he's in some ways he's got a right to be i don't know whether that's true i don't know but he's yeah quite a character anyway
1: yeah i haven't heard any of the stories but there can be all different reasons to be hard to work with it can be somebody's being a perfectionist and the other people aren't and that can be a royal pain yeah Uh, but that's different from from being a prima donna and just you know I want things my way, and it doesn't matter if they're right or wrong. Which is a totally different, you know. That's being an ass.
3: Yeah, and that's the the, <laughs> the that side is more what I've heard about, rather than the, you know. So yeah, I, I mean, I I know a couple of people that worked with him as an extra, and perhaps it's just because they were extras, you know, that he was giving them a hard time. And and let's say the producer, um, she said he was tough to work with because he was a bit of a prima donna. But well, but there you go. You you know, you can't have everything. He's, yeah. He's, um, yeah. Five foot four, Dynamo actor. So, well,
0: he's actually according to the IMDb, which could be a lie. He's five seven and a half. Which... I
3: think that's his agent doing a good job. <laughs>
0: yeah, maybe. <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: but that's no. what the lifts. In. I I liked. Uh, I, I kind of like the episode of Lovejoy that we watched. I well, it... I can I can see myself as a child with my parents watching something like that on PBS. I could see myself watching it with them. But given how many things there are to watch now, I would never. Yeah at exactly. this point watch it but that was, it was, that was fine like a yeah that, yeah, that was, was a,
3: a time when there was only four channels on the tv you know we only had four right. channels and i think somebody said something about murder she wrote or a similar sort of time to that you my oh. guys might have watched something like that
4: Right, com- I did. I watched that. Yeah.
3: You know, yeah. sort of a comforting yeah. thing. That was we every Sunday night. It would be Lovejoy and the the theme tune. When you played that on, the, it just sets all the memories back. And uh,
2: uh-huh.
3: yeah, so that's I come to Deadwood through Lovejoy, which is perhaps a strange route. Not everybody does. <laughs> so
1: I would imagine a lot of Brits would would do that, though.
3: Yeah, probably no. that's right. I mean, I've talked to people that are like, oh, he was funny and good in love and he was a great character but then have yeah. you seen deadwood because deadwood he upped his game you know phenomenally and and he he's amazing in deadwood so anyway a bit is. of a fanboy
0: so my he next did. question was going to be are you a deadwood veteran
3: yeah this is i think i'm watching it with you guys this is the third time so i've uh-huh. yeah i've um i'm i'm a big fan i think it's it's yeah it's a great show
0: do you have a favorite character uh Al Swarrington. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Has to be, right?
0: Sorry. No, that's fine.
1: You've got to say it with that contempt in your voice. Al, <laughs> Al- <laughs> You idiot.
0: <laughs> hey. Yeah. How dare you come onto this podcast and insult the host? <laughs>
3: My friends think it's very funny that, cause I, I got Deadwood on Blu-ray, which, you know, we couldn't get it on Blu-ray here for a long time. So I had to wait and then I got it on Blu-ray about a year ago, maybe and started watching it again. And it looks absolutely phenomenal. And I'm, I work in television for a business, for the, my business. So I'm loose to looking at the quality of, of pictures. And then, um, people laugh because they come in and I've got this nice TV and I'm watching a washed out picture of Ian McShane from Lovejoy from 1991. <laughs> like, oh. The quality
0: is not quite the same. We'll start that petition, <laughs> release Lovejoy on Blu-ray. Yeah, there you go. I don't think that's going to happen, but you never know. <laughs> and it was Hampton Court Palace. Oh, lovely. That's yeah, where that's... I went outside of London and I my parents wanted to take the tour and I saw that they were filming a movie, and I wanted to watch the filming of the movie. Of course, right. nothing was happening. People were standing around doing nothing. Yeah, But still, that was, that was fascinating to me. The movie was called To Kill a King. I think oh. it got renamed before it was released. But in any case, we have Reader's Theater today. Our faithful feedbacker and good friend Hasso has kindly read this uh, for us, so I will play it now.
7: An editorial about fire dangers. Black Hills Daily Times. May 24th eighteen seventy seven Over all new mining towns of any note or size, as any one at all acquainted with their histories can touch, there's always hung a scourge more terrible than disease and pestilence. We allude to the danger of destruction by fire. Over San Francisco, Denver and Helena, in their days of their early settlement, the fire fiend swept like a wandering hell, ticking up in a moment as it passed the accumulated wealth of years, destroying millions of property, impoverishing thousands, and leaving their once fair cities but heaps of smoldering ruin. Let us profit by experience. It is easier and cheaper to organise and equip a fire company and purchase a good fire engine or two than to replace a track of conflagration with business houses and stock them with merchandise. We have every assurance that our fate will be akin to that of Helena in 1872 if we are lulled into forgetfulness of danger now. Let us take it for granted then that an efficient fire department is indispensable to the safety of Deadwood and the question presents itself. How are we to obtain it? Will anyone take responsibility to act? What not of gentlemen will undertake to begin and complete the work of organising a good fire department, arouse the necessary interest, and procure by subscription the necessary funds? That man or coterie of men cannot and will not be found until the very thing has happened again which fire companies are designed to guard. What refuge have we then? What escape from impending destruction? But in a city government, we of course presume... That in the event of organisation, our city authorities would at once proceed to adopt and carry out some rational scheme to render more remote the dire contingency in which we allude. An ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. If the saying ever applied at all to anything, it applies to us now, with peculiar force. We confess that we cannot see how property holders on Main Street, having costly buildings, in the construction of which some of them probably expended a great share of their means, and upon which there is not one cent of insurance, can rest the easier nights with not even a bucket brigade to protect the town in case of fire. Not one cent of insurance have they, and none can they get. This is a matter we cannot afford to overlook. For all are interested, more or less, and it is certain as the sun shines, that if our camp is destroyed by fire, it will be impossible to rebuild on account of scarcity of lumber.
5: That's interesting that they couldn't rebuild if that happened.
7: Did Harry Manning write that article?
5: (laughs) I was
0: thinking the same thing. (laughs) Well, he's been interested in fire since he was a little boy. <laughs> <laughs> Not even a bucket brigade. That's it's interesting, given how many buildings there are made of wood so close together that just now, about a year after about the find, the founding of the camp, if the camp was founded in say summer 1876, now it's 1877, and they don't have a a plan in place for fire.
1: Yeah, I'm really surprised about no bucket brigade.
0: A little disconcerting.
1: Yeah.
3: And that would have been a huge risk, right because the the everything's made of wood, the weather is generally warm is that right in those in that area
1: um mm. it's in the mountains, so right.
0: but and, is it dry is the air dry yeah yeah, okay,
1: yeah, it's dry I mean it snows and stuff, but it's yeah, it's in a very dry area of the country and um yeah, and you figure they used fire for everything,
0: yeah, light
3: and everything so
0: candles light and, heat
3: yeah.
0: you name it. And I recall in the first season when Charlie was appointed fire captain or building inspector or whatever the title that he had, he went into the number 10 saloon and he said, you know, your your furnace, basically, or your stove, your stove is like not... There's no insulation between, it's not up to code, between your wall, your wooden wall, and then the metal part of your stove mm-hmm. pipe, and how dangerous that was. And Tom Nuttall was like, well, it's been fine so far. I mean, it's been like a couple of months. It's been fine so far. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. If it didn't burn down right away, it's never going to burn down.
0: <laughs> well, I thought that article was appropriate for the episode since we had a conversation between Tom and... Harry, about the Fire Brigade.
1: Very appropriate. Yep. I was just going to say, isn't the Bucket Brigade like one of the first things that, I mean, it's a mining camp. Don't they have a ton of buckets? I mean, all
5: they're all being used for gold. They've all, they've all got uh, screens in them to let the stuff <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, It That's just true. seems so weird that, you now they wouldn't at least have a Bucket Brigade set up. Anyway.
0: Thank you, Hasso, for reading that. Thank yeah, you.
1: thank you, Hasso. That was really nicely done.
0: When he was a guest, he had nothing to plug except for the Campbelltown magpies. (laughs) Fuck magpies. This is episode 28, Full Faith and Credit, written by Ted Mann, directed by Ed Bianchi. Original air date, July 2nd, 2006. In the very early hours of the Bella Union, Doc calls on a gut shot shitbird. He wants Sai to try to get dressed. Then Doc is overtaken
5: by another coughing fit and leaves. I was disappointed that that's all we get of him this episode.
6: I thought this episode would maybe be about a little bit more about the Doc and yeah. his sickness. Yeah, I'm sure
5: that'll come at some point.
6: Yeah, he's not doing too well. No,
5: and everybody's noticing. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who would be who would be Doc if he wasn't around? Like, who's got the who would s- doctor the Doc? Well, who's got the <laughs> second most medical Jane? <laughs> yeah, I Jane, guess.
6: Yeah, yeah. She seemed pretty sober this episode, though, so maybe she could handle it.
3: <laughs> hmm. But you'd wonder, wouldn't you, if, if something happens to him? Like, how would they go about even recruiting? Because you know, you, where are you going to go? Go and get a Doc and say, "I've got a great job for you." You know, it's in. The- <laughs> It's in Deadwood. It's going to be great. You know, <laughs> would mm-hmm. they want to? Would they want to come? You know.
0: Well, I think it's kind of odd, actually, given the size of the camp and how many people there are there, and propensity for accidents and so forth. That there's only one doctor. You mm. would think that anybody would show up with a bag of tools and say, "Hey, I can be a doctor." Yeah, I've got, I've got the know-how, and then set up a little shop.
3: Um, it seems like that doc, our doc, is sort of. Is hiding from something you know it seems like he's running away from something in some respects isn't he or himself you know so he's you know a likely candidate but it would be hard to find somebody else but you're right with the amount of people you would think there would be other people just saying i can do it
1: (laughs) that's one of the things i could see if the doc wasn't there i could see charlatans coming in and saying sure i'm a doctor
2: yeah
1: (laughs) but with the doctor there with a mouth on him and everything else, I could see him chasing out any fraud, fraudulent Yeah,
0: that's true. That yeah.
1: I could see him going after him right away.
0: But he so, would welcome help if there oh, was somebody yeah. qualified. So Absolutely. So given the size of the camp, it's just surprising that no one is, else has come through who said, you know, I can do this too. I can be your assistant.
1: There well, might yeah. be a Chinese doctor.
5: Mm-hmm. Maybe you know, Doc Cochran gets like, Hired goons to break the legs of any doctor who comes into town.
6: (laughs) Yeah, he seems like the type. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so he can get more work.
5: Doctor this!
6: (laughs) (laughs) He fixes their legs and then sends them off.
0: (laughs) Now it is morning. Blazinoff surprises Jane with a telegram. The telegram is from General Fields. Last we heard from him, he voluntarily left camp with Hostetler following William's trampling. Note that, once again, Blazinoff doesn't receive a tip.
6: She didn't seem too impressed to be receiving a telegram for some odd reason. I'm not sure why. Can she read? Is that why?
0: No, because Charlie reads it for her, doesn't he? Yeah.
6: So is that why she was pissed?
0: And she had Blazinoff read it to her as well. Mm. Yeah. And he Crept up on her, <laughs> scared the life. Yeah, of
6: that, that too. Yeah, I suppose. I just, it just seemed like an overreaction. <laughs>
0: <laughs> mm. Yeah. Because her reactions are usually so measured.
6: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> usually. <laughs>
0: For our miscellaneous count, we were going to count characters. We see this episode who we didn't see the previous episode. We're at one because we didn't see Calamity Jane last time. One. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> the men applaud as Alma opens the door to the bank of Deadwood.
3: Did everyone notice? her Beautiful Richardson.
0: purple dress and how hot no, she, well, was. I, yes, I she was? Yes, absolutely. She was smoking this that. episode. She was so
6: padded, though. She looked like, you know, you could punch her and she wouldn't feel it.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> she had a, a corset on.
6: Well, yeah, but it was super padded. It looked like she was wearing a quilt.
5: <laughs> Nothing can penetrate my whalebone corset.
6: <laughs> but it was like, it was like probably like an inch thick of padding. Like, I don't mm-hmm. even know. Like Yeah, it did look that way.
3: I didn't notice that because did you see Richardson waving his dollar bills? Yes. No, yeah. Yeah. no. Yeah. No,
0: I didn't. He's there. He's
3: got like five dollars <laughs> that he's waving it. in the back next to EB. So interesting.
0: <laughs> I didn't see him. I completely missed there. that. And
5: Horrible. he's got,
3: he's, he's got a top hat on as well as if he's like going to the bank, you know, his important meeting at the bank.
5: Wow. <laughs> so sad. I
3: pointed it out. I
5: was
6: like, Matt, I, shut Richardson.
5: Up.
6: I, I didn't see it. It doesn't matter how many times <laughs> you tell me I pointed it out. I did not see Let's it.
5: Let's go back in time. <laughs> well,
1: we'll definitely have to go back and look at that. Yeah.
5: Uh, yeah, her outfit is like the Deadwood equivalent of the 80s power suit. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. She's, sure she's definitely <laughs> decked out.
0: She is just so attractive. I just can't get past it. <laughs> <laughs> Every episode, she just looks great. <sighs> oh. Anyway.
5: <laughs> I love Alma. <laughs> I liked what... um. Trixie was wearing too. She looked nice in this episode. Oh, she did as well. Yeah. More, you know, simpler, but So that that's nice. the benefit
3: of um Trixie doing her numbers, I guess, now, right? That she can get a job in the bank. She's learned yeah. her numbers that well.
5: I guess so. Her customer
0: service skills are questionable. <laughs>
5: <laughs> I wrote <Yes>. that down too. <laughs> Although
1: maybe appropriate for Deadwood.
0: Yeah. True.
5: Welcome to the fucking bank. I just hope that they don't.
0: Uh, I hope they don't print surveys on their receipts. Go online and take the survey. Go that's online the, for a fucking wait, chance to wait, win.
6: That's what the bank is card. called, fucking bank. <laughs> yeah. And then welcome to the fucking bank. Yeah, it's it could correct. Be. You know.
0: <laughs> Hurst waves to Al from his veranda. Al doesn't
5: respond. <laughs> the guys do though.
2: <laughs> yeah.
5: Is Dan gonna die? I don't want Dan to die. I don't think Dan's going to die. He's making enemies.
1: He always makes enemies. <laughs> yeah, I hope.
5: He, I hope he kills the captain in a showdown.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely want to see Dan win this. I want to see Al win. I want to see Dan win. Mm-hmm.
5: Remember when these guys were villains?
3: That's exactly I do, what I but, was thinking. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking when we first, you know, you first meet Al, you're like, oh, what a horrible guy. Yep. Of course, I was still thinking about Lovejoy, so I thought he was
0: great. <laughs> <laughs> you still thinking about that mullet? <laughs> 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 or whatever the hell that was, that I, giant h- helmet of hair. Yeah, I <laughs> so think so that, hair. that
3: probably helps because when I was at school, I had a mullet and people used to call me Lovejoy. So that probably, and if you look at me now, it's probably hair envy. So. <laughs> <laughs> <I don't know.
0: laughs> Jack Langarish walks with Joni. He wants to buy Joni's building, which is currently the schoolhouse. Or at least he wants to rent it for his theater troupe. That she's unsure if she wants to sell.
4: <laughs> A little
5: I'm hostile sure. there, Joni. Yeah, yeah, why is she so mean?
6: Everybody's just so, like, everybody's reacting so... <laughs>
5: Don't approach anyone in Deadwood.
6: <laughs> yeah, they're so
5: emotional this episode, it's what? crazy. Hey, oh, you cut me off guard, you fucker. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, that was one of my very first notes, like the second note I've got is, what is everyone waiting for and so stressed out about?
4: yeah
1: and even though it's bank opening i have like is that was that it and then it's like no everybody's still
2: stressed (laughs) do
3: you think that do you think that hearst coming into the camp is you know subconsciously it probably affects everybody you know there must be a he's sort of annoyed everybody hasn't he in some way or another so they Mm -hmm. must all be thinking about the future and what it what it can hold
6: Usually, when one person is unhappy, and it, especially if they let everybody else know that they're unhappy, it kind of trickles down. <laughs>
0: yeah,
6: yeah
0: so. I think everyone's just worried about their place in the world, especially yep. when things are changing. Yeah, so fast.
1: And with with the big power people in the town at odds, like I guess it's kind of what you were just saying, Mel. It would, it would trickle down more if if Al and Hurst they know that there's bad blood there. And uh, what's his size is still recovering from getting stabbed. So like a little bit of a power vacuum to some degree. And these guys jockeying to see who's going to be the one in charge. So
0: mm. Captain Turner, that sea creature looking cocksucker brings a letter for Al. Mm. Al mocks him. Be wary, gentlemen. He's very dangerous when approaching you from behind. Turner tells Dan to be more respectful toward Mr. Hurst, and Dan baits him further. Turner threatens to rip Dan's whole fucking head off. Turns out Hurst has invited Al to another meeting.
1: Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe that he actually went.
5: I need more fingers for my collection. <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I I want Dan to kill the captain. That's what I want yeah. to have now. Yeah. How, how do you think he would do that? Probably with a knife up close and personal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I would expect.
0: We pounce on him like Arya Stark style and just take out his eyes and his his tongue. And
1: no, you don't no. want to see that, Carol. No, Dan's a Dan's a straightforward kind of a guy.
0: We beat him to death with a big club.
1: <laughs> Probably no. I I would guess he would take a knife and he would stab him like really well. So he was really well <laughs> dead. You know, as opposed to oh, stab him here and stab him there. It's like he would make it. He would make it count, or he'd cut his throat.
0: You could drop that piano on him.
3: <laughs> the thing is, I don't understand. Is like, why up close and personal when it's dangerous? You know, you can from the other balcony. You can wait till he comes out with a rifle from a distance. Why not that?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: true. Yeah, no, like, a very
1: good point.
3: Yeah, you
5: could you could snipe Hurst. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no one would. Nice. Who
3: would know? You know, from a from a rooftop somewhere, and then you know. But that's a good question, isn't it? Why don't they just do away with Hurst? Why don't they kill him?
1: I think because when it comes to someone as rich as Hearst and as powerful as Hearst, remember how there was the whole Pinkerton thing earlier? Yep. Yeah. Hearst's family is still out there and if, and his, his whole big company, his investors, all of that, something happens to Hearst there, the whole government is going to be coming in there and saying, okay, there's a problem in here. We need to take over because this hmm. is a powerful guy.
3: It's sad, isn't it, that things don't change, really? Absolute power <laughs> corrupts and it continues to this day to some extent. You know what I mean? It's just because it's, yeah, it's true. But because we don't really see, other than the captain, we don't really see anybody else of Hearst's camp. But you would imagine somebody like him would have other people in the camp on his side oh, yeah. and watching out for him, you know?
1: Oh, absolutely. But as far as the whole thing of of powerful people being able to do what they want and stuff and people listening to them without question i really don't think any of us can relate to that we don't know what you're talking about (laughs) that doesn't happen around here anymore
0: no
3: we've got another podcast for politics i'm sure (laughs) (laughs) we've got a whole another, especially you know british
0: canadian american politics that's a great that's a podcast in itself oddly the economy of the camp now revolves around Hearst, now that he's bought up all the claims. Right. Yeah. So if he's not there to manage all of that, what, ha- what happens to those claims and those, right. those people that are mining and have jobs? Now they don't have income. Yeah. No money to spend at the saloons.
1: Although he's a company. You know, Hearst is a, is a corporation. Um, somebody is going to inherit that. And if there's gold or silver to be taken out of the ground, in that case, gold, um, his heirs are going to want to take that gold out. So they're going to continue. It's not like, like the jobs would dry up. It would continue at some
0: end. point, but I would think that there'd be a lot of infighting amongst all of his relatives and contacts over who should have that and control that. I mean, he might have a will. A point, yeah, you know,
1: I would doubt that the mining would actually stop. I,
0: I would feel that there would be just a lot of chaos. Oh, yeah. And yeah, turmoil.
3: And that's probably reason enough, isn't it, for for Al as an intelligent person and the guys to think, if we do that, the camp dries up, all our incomes dry up, you know, mm-hmm. that's reason enough to have to work with better the devil you know type situation, yeah. you know. It
0: would just be and, disruptive. And if they killed Hearst, it would be disruptive. Yeah. And but,
1: Al has been working so hard to keep government forces out of Deadwood except on his terms. And, to ha- you know, you kill Hearst and... The government has a really good excuse to step in.
0: I've got some trivia about Alan Graff, who plays Captain Turner. Oh, okay. He's got 100 acting credits on IMDb, but he's also a second unit director, a stuntman, a stunt coordinator, and a stunt driver. He had a full football scholarship to the University of Southern California, and following graduation, joined the Portland Storm, a team belonging to the World Football League, a league which ran from 1973 to 1975. After the league folded, he took the role of stunt double for Dick Butkus and the 1976 Disney film Gus, which is about a field goal-kicking mule. And if you go on to our Facebook group, you can watch a video of this.
5: Excuse, excuse me, Butkus?
1: You don't know Dick Butkus?
0: <laughs> it's an unfortunate surname. No.
1: He was a great football player, though. And a character.
0: And Mr. Graff also coordinated football scenes in films like Any Given Sunday, Jerry Maguire, Friday Night Lights, The Waterboy. He even designed and directed the jousting sequences in A Knight's Tale. Oh, my. Yeah, he's had a really interesting career.
3: Accomplished. I watched that Gus clip three times and couldn't work out the relevance. So I'm glad you settled that for <laughs> us. <laughs>
0: I do enjoy posting things on the group and pretty much not explaining why. Characters we see this episode we didn't see last episode, we're up to two now because we we see Captain Turner.
1: Okay. There's a lot of characters this episode we didn't see last episode.
0: There were.
4: There were a lot.
0: Rita Sue goes into the Bella Union. She invites Con Stapleton to instruct her on how to throw the bones. He offers her his dice. She blows on them. Leon is appalled. <laughs> I, I I,
3: found, because Con is holding his crotch to some extent through that, and he mentioned something about the Chinese laundry, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Right. They shrunk his pants. Yeah. And,
3: uh, <laughs> I, I've spent times watching Deadwood with my legs crossed. Like, when when Al goes through his, there's a few things in Deadwood. Like, when Al goes through his uh, traumatic period,
2: yes. it,
3: it, and, and now with Con with this it's obviously a hernia or something. I find myself, like, you know, in pain <laughs> for, for them. And, you know, you can't imagine without, you know, the, the medical stuff that we have these days, what it must have been like to go through. Even something like a hernia or something like that must have been horrendous. And every time you see Con, he's always doubled over or got his hand down.
1: Yes. Oh, yeah. I I thought that meant something totally different. I, I was thinking in terms of the May West comments about, is that a pistol in your pocket, or are you just glad to see oh, it?
0: You, you <laughs> were thinking, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, All
1: yeah, Oh, my pants sh- have shrunk. Yeah. Not something else is, <laughs> is pushing against them, but <laughs> is that I,
2: I or are you just happy to see <laughs> me? <laughs>
3: I know it's Leon in that when they're first, you know, when she first comes over, he's just in the background, just behind on. He's just staring directly at her breasts. There's no other thing. He's just, yeah, just. Well, they're staring.
0: kind of hard to miss.
3: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. There's a quote, isn't there, later about mm-hmm. that, which is funny, yeah. but yeah, yeah, very good.
1: I thought she was going to be hustling him at at you know the dice tables. Um
0: It did kind of seem like that. Like
1: yeah that's what, what i thought is, it was.
0: what is this thing over here on the table with the numbers <laughs> what is this can you can you show me
1: yeah i kind of missed the point to some degree about what she was up to i mean by the end there i was thinking okay was she trying to make um what's his name jealous whatever the actor's name is i still
4: jack frank fox you mean Jack? mhm
1: yeah you know, is she trying to make him jealous or something or what i
3: so are they an item then? I didn't get that. I don't, Brian, think so. is, yeah. I,
1: don't I don't know, the way she came out of the, pretty sure he's gay. the room
6: or whatever. <laughs> well I'm pretty sure he's gay.
3: <laughs> Why? Because he tapped Al's bum. <laughs> Just
6: because <laughs> they were talking about it. So I figured it yeah. must be. Yeah, gay. I thought that.
3: I thought he would be you know, that he would be gay. I thought that was uh, what was the was the real character gay? Was that what you read at Matt last time or
0: No, he had a wife. But okay. Obviously, that does not mean but that, that he's, mean he's not gay. Not gay. No, yeah. no. He could also be bisexual. Right. Yeah.
6: yeah. yeah or he could just, be trying to hide it. Yeah, I just couldn't
1: figure out what what this woman was doing. I mean, as I said, at first I thought she was, you know, hustling the guy. Um, Ooh, teach me how to gamble. I don't know anything <laughs> about this. Um, but then the way things turned just didn't go that, you know. That road, and I, I'm
6: kind of confused about what's going on with her. It was kind of odd too, because she really didn't seem too impressed with them after they were done. I was like, oh, I don't know what's going on here.
5: Yeah, I don't no. know why she, why she did it in the first place.
6: Yeah, she yeah. just she seemed kind of disgusted with herself. She was like, why did I
0: do this?
1: <laughs> yeah, she seems bored and unhappy, and yeah, yeah, I I just didn't get it.
0: And there's a line later where Jack and Joni are meeting, and uh, she she says, oh. She's so thin. Yeah. Of Joni. So, mm. I, I, it, which would, like reinfor- yeah, yeah. It would reinforce this idea that, you know, Jack should be with somebody who's a little more zoftig, like mm. herself. So, yeah, I think yeah, it's a jealousy was- thing. And I think it's, uh, uh, she wants Jack for some reason. I don't know. We're going to, we'll get a little more into that, but let's move on to the. Oh, first of all. Characters we see this episode we didn't see last episode, Con Stapleton and Leon, which brings their total up
5: to four.
7: Jeez.
0: At the number 10 saloon, Tom Nuttle says, Harry Manning is stupid for campaigning to be sheriff for the lone purpose of becoming a fireman. He proposes Harry borrow money for, from him at 20% reduced pay so that they can build a fire wagon together and rent it to the camp. Tom adds, don't tell anyone about this plan, and I
5: want a hat. Yeah, <laughs> he secretly just wants to be a fireman. <laughs>
1: There's a lot of that in that town. It's amazing they don't have a fire department considering how many people want to be firemen.
0: Yeah. Oh, they just want to end up on the calendar. Yeah.
1: (laughs) The sexy Deadwood Fireman calendar. Mm -hmm. Aww. (laughs) That would be an interesting calendar, that one.
0: That would be terrifying. A little
1: bit. Somebody on it, online should do
6: that.
3: I was going to say somebody's going to make that now. You know, it's somebody gonna to...
6: really should make that. They're just going to Photoshop like their he- the actor's heads onto like <laughs> an actual fireman's calendar.
0: <laughs> well, Mel, you know Photoshop. Why don't you do that later?
6: I suppose I could, but I don't know.
0: <laughs> but no,
6: <laughs> that doesn't really interest me.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Continuing our account, characters we see this episode, we didn't see last episode, Tom Nuttle and Harry Manning bringing our total to six. Jane wants Charlie's help to decipher Fields' telegram, but it doesn't matter much since Hostetler and Fields are riding back into camp as they argue. Steve is at the livery, not pleased to see the two men return.
5: Why'd they, why'd they send the telegram if they weren't going to give it enough time for a response before they came back?
1: I have so, a theory. Okay, good. My theory is that The general was trying to talk Hostetler out of going back, sent the telegram to Jane, hoping that he could keep Hostetler out of town before, till he found out some kind of information about what they'd be walking into. He couldn't get Hostetler to stop, so they ended up in town same time as the
0: telegram. It's a good theory, I like it.
3: But, uh, didn't, didn't, didn't the general say hey, that's something about him learning his letters, which indicates he probably doesn't know his letters, right? Would that be correct? So how would he send the telegram if he... I suppose back then they would go and just talk and tell them, yeah, I suppose...
1: He dictated to the telegram.
3: Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah.
1: Because a lot of people didn't read or write.
0: Yeah. Did you guys think that we'd see Haas, and Fields again? No. No, I didn't.
1: No, I thought... I thought Hossettler at least, was going to be gone. I thought maybe we'd see the general again.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, as we've I think we've mentioned, and we've heard in our Reader's Theater before, that the general has had a presence in the camp. Like, a yeah. historic presence. What do you mean? That he's...
6: He's an actual person. He's an actual person oh, who's
0: been okay. in the camp, and is n- a notable figure in the camp. So... Right. B- but of course, the show can, can move away from fact for their yeah. own purposes, and, and maybe that that's why we haven't seen uh, seen him in a while, but just based on the the information that I've been gathering and, and accumulating, that he's kind of stuck around and was a noted person. Hmm. Characters, we see this episode, we didn't see last episode, total of three more. We got Hostetler, Fields, and Steve, bringing our total to nine. Jeez. Yeah.
6: I think we lost pretty bad, because I seem to recall we did really low numbers. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Joni visits Charlie. Joni doesn't know if she wants to sell. She likes the school and watering the garden and watching the children as they walk to school. Although she hasn't done that, but she imagines that she would if she did. Oh, God almighty. And then we get the truth of it. Joni regrets that she hasn't been a positive influence in the lives of young women, that she was a whore mistress. She wishes she could erase her past.
1: Aww. How terrible must she feel that she would not even feel like she could watch the kids go to school?
0: Mm. Do you think she'd be, like, picking them out? Like, oh, I can get two bucks for that one, three bucks for that one.
4: <laughs> <laughs> no.
6: <laughs>
0: no. No. <laughs> Do
6: you think she'd like to be a teacher, maybe?
0: I think she could be.
4: Hmm.
6: A sex education teacher. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> I think oh. she's just got to get past hating herself. Yeah. Before she can figure out what she's going to do,
3: that seems to thing for a lot of the characters, doesn't it? That they've got a past. Like Doc, Doc has got a past. They've got a past that they're really struggling to sort of uh, move on from. It sort of seems like somebody like Al is less like that. Al is like, look, I live in the moment, or I'm going forward. He does still go back, his blowjobbergris or whatever you call
0: it. Yeah, logs. That's it. logs. <laughs> but they're really uh, blowjob quiz. <laughs> it depends yeah. on if you consider, because we did, we made the distinction between monologue and soliloquy, that a monologue is a person speaking a lot to an audience, and a right. soliloquy is a person speaking a lot to himself. So it depends if you consider Dolly to be a participant in the conversation or not. Like, is could she may as well not be there?
5: She interjected quite a bit. I think she did yeah. in
0: this, 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 in this episode. Did, uh, but I yeah. think in previous ones, she could have just as well been the head in the box. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, even in this one. She interjected stuff, but he totally ignored her Mm -hmm. until the very, very end. Right. Because she said the same thing like three times and he did not even notice. So for him, she doesn't really exist when he's talking. That's sad. Until that very end when she finally catches his attention.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: But they all kind of struggle. It's like in this scene, like with, you know, Joni, she goes to Charlie Utter to talk about it. It's like they're finding the equivalent of a therapist you know right. because they need to talk about their past and try and make sense of it and it seems really sad that you know of course back then there was never any well you know discussion about let's you should talk to somebody about it or whatever it's like how do you deal with these and and jane's the same you know why does she drink so much she's got this stuff she can't process in some way and it's really sad to see but it's what it well, i guess what must have happened
0: back then that's what Joni could be, the camp psychologist. <laughs> yeah.
6: You know, I do think though that what you said Carol about she has to stop hating herself before she finds something that she likes to do. I think if she found something that she likes to do, that would probably help her stop hating herself too. I think it would probably be like kind of like intertwined together that that feeling, you know. Yeah. yeah. She'd feel useful so she'd be, you know, she'd feel better.
4: Yeah.
1: If she would let herself do it,
4: mm, she and should, not,
1: you know, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, that's the best thing that supplying the kids with a school and watering the garden on days when it's the a start <laughs> seems to be helping her. Yeah, it's a start. Yeah. But she's got I mean, the fact that she won't even watch the kids mm-hmm. or be in their presence in any way, shape or form, you know, just shows how far Gone she really is at this point.
0: And there's another thing she could do. She could run the camp nursery or be a landscape architect. (laughs) Joni, you got options. She does. (laughs) One of my observations is that people are always closing their businesses for private conversations. (laughs) (laughs) Think about how many times like in the hardware store, Seth and Saul just like close the doors and they're like, come back later, we're talking. Or how many times people go to the gym and they're like, nope, sorry, close right now.
5: Yeah, get out. Can't depend on any business in this town. Even though the door is wide open still. Get out.
0: Steve rants at the number 10. White men are bent over, barely able to walk because they bear the weight of black men around their necks. All of Steve's labors are for naught. Hostetler and Fields rode back into camp, having never taken responsibility for the death of that little white boy. Wait until the parents find out. And then he storms into the hardware store and confronts Seth.
4: Oh,
5: please.
4: (laughs) What, you have a problem with that? (laughs) (laughs) Sure do. Oh,
6: oh, those black people. Oh, what a burden. (laughs) Yep.
5: I'm going to isolate that audio. Shut up.
6: Isolate that one, too.
5: Shut the fuck up. Do you guys guys think he's, like, truly, like, to the core racist? Or is he just an angry, angry man that will use any, any, like. Both? Any opportunity to disparage somebody he's mad at? Like, Mm. I don't know. Think I
0: think most, both. Yeah, I think most racists are just
5: very angry and yeah, true. Yeah.
6: They feel like they they feel like they've been slighted somehow and that you know, like I think this what this is what happened because he wanted to run that livery so bad. And he probably got to town and he was like, Oh those fucking black people, they took my job, you know, that kind of thing.
5: They took our jeers.
6: Yeah, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. And it's stupid. <laughs> Why didn't you just open up a competing livery? <laughs> Like, nothing's stopping him or just, you Steve's know. Better Steve's better livery. Steve's <laughs> better white
4: livery.
1: <laughs> because Steve will always have Steve's an excuse Steve. for why.
4: <laughs> what?
1: He'll always have an excuse for why and it will always be somebody else's fault. Exactly. He's a big, he plays a big. And the only, and the easiest way to make it someone else's fault is for that person to be another race that is, can always be blamed for everything.
6: Well, it's easier for him. It's easier to pick on them because they are
1: another race. And I have now no doubt that if, you know, if a woman was involved, if, you know, everything would be her fault. Mm-hmm. Just like everything for Al is Dolly's fault right at the moment. Mm-hmm.
0: But again, this goes back to the Civil War and the fact mm-hmm. that he had to enlist for the cause of emancipating black people. And when he did that, he lost his family's. A confectionery business. His cousin got it because mm-hmm. he was at war. So he's seeing that all these opportunities are, are going away and now he's found the scapegoat. Yeah. yeah.
1: He's very good at finding scapegoats.
0: Mm-hmm. Especially
1: when they make no sense whatsoever.
6: I was so glad though that Saul, uh, Saul Seth didn't you know, didn't fall. I knew he wouldn't but I was just really glad to see the way he handled the whole situation. Except for maybe like
0: punching steve yeah. <laughs> but, uh, that's what made me the happiest <laughs> i was like Ooh, i love it yeah that
6: was great but i mean it wasn't great for the situation you know like it kind of made it worse but... <laughs> but i don't know
3: he was really restraining himself wasn't he at, at times. time yeah.
6: oh yeah with, you know when
3: when uh steven i think for that actor who plays steve you know it must have been he must have thought when he got that part it's like quite a juicy role to play you know but at the same time would be horrible you'd have to shake it off you know because it's such a horrible part to play as well it still, must have been...
5: He's still doing it on Orange is the New Black maybe Oh really maybe really the same jokes. sort of guy Yeah
0: <laughs> He's a lot more subdued
6: They make oh, yeah, it seem yeah. Yeah. like he's such a good guy though sometimes and he's still pretty horrible on Orange is the
5: New Black yeah, yeah I know it's so confusing they're like feel bad for him he's really a nice guy except he doesn't like uh, gay people he hates them with a passion he like he's always using racist language he like let uh, an attempt on Piper's life happen. He's know? like
6: he's like a modern day version of Steve.
5: I know he's Steve's <laughs> descendant.
1: I had forgotten he was in Orange Is the New Black. I only saw the first oh, season and a half of Orange Is the New Black. I'm totally forgotten. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Tom suspects trouble, so he positions Harry at the other end of the saloon and readies his gun. So was he
3: was he protecting Harry then, or was he just asking him to cover him from another angle? Because then later he when. He stands, Harry stands, doesn't he? And he's, I saw, saw that he's got his gun there.
0: I think he was, you know, covered from another angle. Right, right.
1: Yeah. He's he's um, setting up for trouble. Any kind of trouble.
0: Con Stapleton is getting a room at the hotel, obviously for fucking, because he's not an out-of-towner. E.B. mocks him in brilliant fashion.
5: I was confused for a sec. I'm like, does he really have a, a twin brother? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
6: I thought this was a like a weird new storyline. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> the out of town twin. Yeah. <laughs> well, for anyone who is uh, still confused by this scene what EB is basically saying is uh, if like what are you doing at the hotel you live here? So he's just uh you're obviously you're getting a room because you're going to have sex with someone. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Quite a salubrious place to do that, isn't it? <laughs> e b's of all the places, I suppose it's probably there was another hotel right, but they haven't shown it in the in so this he, show,
6: yeah, he wouldn't be very discreet about your you know no. your business. He'd just be telling everybody, mm. God, <laughs> <Balls>. the <laughs> there's no discreet anything in that town period, probably not, but e b is kind of the worst at being discreet at all, mm-hmm. and
0: he may have suggested to. Brita Sue, hey, let's go to this other place or we'll go to the Bella Union. I've got a room upstairs. And she said, no, it's got to be the room across from where the guy I'm really right, interested in right. is staying. <laughs> so yeah. that I can leave your room and he can be jealous. Like, that's <laughs> why You have to come to this hotel. Hmm. At the bank, Ellsworth brings Alma an apple. A peace <laughs> offering, perhaps? Then didn't get do- that.
3: What's that? I didn't get that. What was that about? The apple?
0: You bring an, the an apple
5: to the teacher. Yeah, the kids bring an apple for the to their teacher. Okay, mm-hmm.
1: that's why she was saying. Maybe are you sure you didn't mean this for Martha?
0: Okay, and I think he
5: was just being sweet,
0: yeah. he, and he's trying to apologize for how awful he was to her the previous day.
1: Although Lord knows she was a lot worse to him,
0: right? But I, this is a peace
5: offering, I think. Right? Yeah,
1: he was very cute. Yeah, um,
5: he's really sweet. A lot of good it does him.
1: I know he was really cute in this episode.
5: He, he was. Oh,
1: so He was so proud of her, you know? Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah.
5: Nice guys finish last.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Only when they make now bad. Now you're something decisions. like
0: Steve and EB. Steve and EB? Yeah, the MRA movement. Matt wants to join the MRA movement. The nice guys finish last.
4: <laughs>
1: what, and Steve and EB are part of that group? God, no. <laughs> like
6: horrible guys finish last. Your idea of nice guys, really...
0: Victims. They see themselves as victims. Mm.
6: Mm. They probably see themselves as nice guys, too,
0: though.
6: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure they do. Yeah. I'm sure they do.
0: Ellsworth defends the bank against a Hooplehead depositor, saying, This bank is backed by this lady's gold claim. This ain't no fly-by-night paper palace operation. The Hooplehead decides he'll try the bank. Trixie's heart leaps with joy. (laughs) (laughs) And we get our episode title.
6: Mm. Makes sense.
0: Yeah, I really like Trixie <laughs> yeah. interacting with the, the depositor. <laughs> yes. they don't tell
5: her to smarten up either. They're okay with it.
6: <laughs> She'll just get angry and storm off. Yeah,
5: I don't want her to get mad at them.
6: <sighs> they have to be supportive.
5: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Seth
0: deposits Steve at the number 10, tells Tom to watch him, and when Steve starts John again, Tom tells him to shut up. At the livery, Hustetler apologizes for the part he played in William's death. He brought back the horse. He's ready to face punishment. Whatever Seth thinks is fair. Seth won't hold an accident against him. All he wants is peace in the camp.
4: Hmm.
5: I'm. It's mighty big of Seth. Mighty big. Mighty big.
1: I mean, we look at it now as being, of course, that makes sense. But at the time, um, yeah, that was being incredibly reasonable.
5: Yeah. You're not going to shoot me in the face.
6: <laughs> well, it is obviously an accident, though. Like he did, obviously you didn't do it on purpose, you know.
5: Yeah, and that, like, like she said, that would mean something. And else, he's but, had,
6: <laughs> he's had some time too to process the whole thing, so mm. that helps. I mean, it was, it was
1: just so easy for a black man to get lynched, or you know, any number of things, yeah, for very little, mm. much less an accident that killed somebody.
4: Yeah.
1: So, you know, and the fact that Seth is not the kind of person to want any of that to happen is uh a testament to him. Yeah. In a different situation, um, somebody could have used that as an excuse to get to just get him out of the way so Steve, a white man, could have delivery. Free and yeah. clear. Forget this actual paying for it thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Rita Sue and Con Stapleton are in bed at the hotel. <laughs> Khan reveals that Leon complimented her on her front porch, and she appears sad or ashamed, or both.
6: And and then he's like, "We'll do this again in a few days." When uh, what? How did he put it? I can't remember, but he was like almost as if he's like, "Yeah, I've got penis problems."
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's like when the captain's back at the helm or something. Yes! <laughs>
6: <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. I was like, "Oh my god, that's." And she was like even sadder after that. She's like, "Oh." <laughs>
1: and she just she looked so bored and unhappy (laughs) that was just
6: a combination of the two
5: she was so disgusted with herself (laughs) she just wanted to get laid is that it
6: no she wanted to make a jack lane grease jealous well
5: that's that's the going that's the
6: going theory yeah Yeah, that's that's that was my theory by the by the time she came
1: out of that door and and met him and then later made that comment about the woman being skinny I didn't really think about it that much, but yeah, now that you say it, it does make sense. I might be totally wrong, but that's the best I could come up with. Mm.
0: Joni is talking through her proposal with Charlie. She'll let Jack buy her building if he agrees to build a new schoolhouse. This, to me, this seems like a terrible proposal. (laughs)
1: Because
0: he has to buy one building and pay to construct a second building? Yeah. For him,
6: it's terrible.
0: Yeah. Why would he not just build his theater? (laughs) Yeah, unless unless well, you really wants the location.
1: Yeah, he probably really wants the location and also I'm guessing that you could build a one-room schoolhouse um not
6: too expensive.
1: Yeah, without it being all that expensive and whereas this building has looks to have a second floor and you know, rooms and things and maybe they can all live there and his whole troop can live in that building and have a theater there.
3: Don't know where the stage will go, though. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, I love that scene. I love that with the two women.
0: Okay, so it'd be great if uh, the kids go to their new schoolhouse, and they all sit down for class, and Martha rings the bell, and then, like, all the walls just, like, fall down. (laughs) 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 Seth brings Hostetler to the number 10. Hostetler thanks Steve for running the livery in his absence, and he'd be willing to take him on, and Steve – promptly acts like an ungrateful racist fool. We get more white people are the victim's logic. It it ends with Hostetler calling Steve a motherfucker and Seth forcing him out of the building. Hostetler says he'd be willing for Steve to buy him out. Steve is very excited about this idea. He'd love to buy the livery if only he had means to get a loan. Hey, a bank just opened that very morning. (laughs) So convenient.
6: It's It's kind of funny how quickly he changed his tune as soon as they... Offered to, you know, that offer came up. He was kind of like, Oh, like not angry anymore at all.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, and Seth is giving it to him on a silver platter. I mean, at first Steve is like, Well, of course I can't buy it. I don't have that kind of money. But if you had a loan and if I could, you know, and it's just like giving this guy everything on a silver platter and you know that he's just not going to ever, ever acknowledge that. He's still going to play the victim the rest of his life.
3: The thing that stood out for me on this, all of these scenes really, is Tom, the barman, is just looking on. It's great acting in that, uh, you know, it's doing very little but just looking on, absolutely incredulous, like he can't believe what an idiot Steve is, you know, mm-hmm. to be throwing that away. And also, even you know, when it gets to the signing part, you know that he's just like, what's the matter with? It? And if it, I feel like Tom is asked like on many of those, you know, why do wars happen? Because people are stupid and they do such stupid things that they don't just say, okay, that's fair enough. You know, it's so sad.
5: Yeah. I was surprised Haas
3: endured the insults as long as he did. He was I'm really not. holding his mouth, wasn't he? He was like, guess, he literally yeah. physically had to hold his mouth.
1: Yeah, I'm not. He, I mean, he's been through a lot, but the fact is that he knows how he loses his temper and he does something Wrong, and Seth is not going to be able to protect him.
3: But isn't there a moment there where he changes from motherfucker to motherfuckers, and then Steve kind right. of jumps on that, yeah, and that's right. when that's right. when Seth throws him out, right?
1: Right, exactly, because he knows that it's it's yeah getting too dangerous. I'm surprised Seth didn't didn't stop it before that. That he let it go as long as it did, because
3: yeah.
0: He's playing the neutral depu- uh,
3: neutral <laughs> marshal,
0: <laughs> Sheriff. Yeah. It's a very ugly scene, but it's also very well-performed, I think.
4: It's excellent.
3: Mm-hmm. It's uncomfortable to watch at times, but really well done and really made me think a lot about that kind of era and what it must have been, how terrible it must have been for, you know, it was just unbelievable.
1: And actually, I mean, the fact that there was nobody in there that was – on Steve's side was probably more unbelievable than anything else that was being done because mm-hmm. usually idiots like that can rile up.
0: Well, know, that's probably I'm what they're sure. afraid of. They're afraid if they let Steve go, he can turn the camp against this little yeah. group of, of did good it guys, oh, yeah. right? Oh, so, yeah. and you can see. Um, I really love that when they do a close-up of Seth, you could the tears welling in his eyes. Almost, it's like. Mm it's this just just brought back so much pain for him.
4: Mhm. Yeah. And he doesn't
0: want to be here, but he knows he has to be here just like Hostetler knows like bo- both of them, you know, Hostetler to a greater degree obviously, but they're both having to suffer this racist fool. Right. Because of how yep. dangerous he is. Yep. So,
1: yep. <gasps> it, it is. It's a very dangerous situation for everybody. And Seth, I mean, I think it's beautifully written this whole thing. Mm. And and acted as well. I mean, Seth uh, just trying to keep the whole thing from blowing up the whole camp and get Hostetler and the general out alive, especially Hostetler, because the general knows how to play the angles and stuff. And Hostetler knows, but just lets his emotions get away from him. And that is incredibly
0: dangerous.
3: Matt, you all, it seemed like you almost said Timothy oliphant was a good actor there.
0: <laughs> yeah. I thought he was excellent this episode. Yeah. All right,
6: mm-hmm. <laughs> by season three, he should have improved. <laughs> mm-hmm. <Ooh. laughs>
3: he gets very good in Justified. I don't know if any of you watched that, but he's, he's great he's like in that. Justified.
6: I like Justified. Yeah,
5: yeah, I love it. Like him on Conan O'Brien the best. <laughs>
6: <laughs> he's pretty good on that. <laughs> they look like they're really yeah. good buddies. <laughs> yeah,
1: he's been on some podcasts, like the Nerdist podcast. He was very good on.
3: That was great, and he had some great stories about Deadwood, didn't he, on that? Yeah. And, and really talking about, like, I when he talked about the kids, you know, death, and he said, like, he wondered what what season three was going to be about and everything, because they changed that, you know, at the last minute. And it just shows you how amazing this show was in terms of the way it was
4: produced.
1: You yeah. know, the funny thing is that I think I heard that long, long before I'd ever watched Deadwood, and I don't right. remember him talking about Deadwood, um, if it's the podcast I'm, you know, from years and years and years ago. And, uh, so I, none of it registered on me because I hadn't read right. Deadwood. So, n- like, I wouldn't have listened to it after we started this podcast. Because,
0: I would hope not.
1: Right. Because, <laughs> spoiler, right. But, uh, I only knew him from Justified when I, when I was listening to the podcast and I only remember him talking about Justified. I didn't even know he was on Deadwood, so.
0: Not wanting to intrude on Martha, Charlie asks Seth to ask Martha about the building <laughs> situation. Seth doesn't think Martha would mind relocating if a new schoolhouse was built.
6: I like, I like the <laughs> way he nods.
0: I summarized that a lot faster than Charlie did. <laughs> oh, yes.
1: <laughs> Good for you. I love the look on Seth's face as he is trying so hard to figure out what Charlie is talking about.
5: He's, he's going to get a pain in his neck crink, crinking it so hard there. <laughs> yeah. Tricking it,
1: And he bends over further and
2: further and <laughs> further.
3: And I felt sorry for Charlie because it's quite a complex situation to explain in a very short time. And then you're under pressure and you're trying to get it out quicker. And it's, yeah, it
0: was great. At the hotel, Rita Sue makes a show of letting Jack know she slept with someone. She goes to her room and Con Stapleton slams the door. <laughs> and we already talked about why. Al is having another blowjob soliloquy, he or blowjob log, if you prefer. He's trying to clear his head <clears throat> before he speaks to Hurst. Oh, he,
4: yeah, <laughs> that
0: was a pun. Yeah. Definitely intended. Oh, I, that took
3: a while for me to get that. Sorry, <laughs> that's very good. Right. Hoople,
6: bunch of hoople heads. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he wants. He wants to know does Does Hurst think he's afraid? You are Al. Al loses his erection and blames Dolly for altering her method. He kicks her out.
1: Yeah, it's all Dolly's fault.
0: Poor
5: Dolly.
1: Feel it bad. had nothing to do with what else is going on in Al's life.
5: He's, has he never heard of masturbation? <laughs>
1: that's. I almost feel like that's what he's doing.
6: Not really. He's using he's, another yeah. woman for his pleasure, but he could... I guess he, he still has one use, good hand. But it, yeah, like maybe he's I don't know which finger got oh, taken maybe. out, but
5: Yeah, but even before this he always used a woman.
6: Ah, it's true.
5: Like I guess maybe he feels he shouldn't have to masturbate since he owns a brothel, but yeah, they're on tap there, aren't they? Right? <laughs> <laughs> so
1: <laughs> I was just feeling like he he considers them so, you know, he gives them so little humanity that, you know, he might as well be
6: you think when he looks at them he sees his mother? Maybe.
1: At this point, probably exactly what's going on. Yeah. on the...
6: So he probably
1: that's a good insight, Mel. Yeah.
6: It's probably just like all the contempt of like being abandoned as a kid because his mother was a whore and that's all she was into, you know. Mm. That's that could bring all kinds of terrible emotions when you look at a whore. And also the I mean, he goes into the whole thing about feeling restrained,
1: making him yeah. Impotent, basically. I mean, yeah, you know, you can't do anything. Mm. Just a description of impotence.
2: Mm.
0: I feel bad for this actress.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Udali.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's on a a great show, but that this is all she gets to do.
6: <laughs> it, but she it got dependent is- on her smile this time, so
0: <laughs>
6: it was a lovely smile.
0: It's like you wouldn't want your parents to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> no. Downstairs, Jack asks Al about Joni. He wants to know why Joni is reluctant to sell her building. Is she donating the Chazami as as a school to change public perception about herself? No, says Al. She's loyal to Tolliver, who everyone in camp hates. Sentimental attachment to the building itself, then Al doesn't know. Anyway, he's off to see Hurst.
1: I love how Al also said that you know everybody in town hates him, including her, but she still takes care of him. Mm -hmm. And he said that she was all right. Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Which is That's the what... line that he used to describe Jack last episode. Yeah. Uh, he's all right. Yeah, yeah. so that means he like, equals, I like you.
1: <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's high praise for him. Yeah.
0: High um, praise, and he expects absolutely no follow up questions. <laughs> 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 there was something
3: that Jack said about. Um, the local creek is the local creek. I don't expect it's rife with oysters. I didn't get what that <laughs> meant. What did he mean by that? Did you yeah. get
6: that? Yeah, I heard that wasn't sure either.
1: All I could think was i've I've forgotten what was right before it because I mean when I heard him say it, I'm like, okay, that sounds like he's saying that you know this isn't um this this isn't like a a high class place or you know. Right. And I'm not walk out and there's not going to be money growing on trees or there's, you know.
3: Because I didn't know whether it was in reference to Al sort of saying, I'm going to see Hurst and therefore my life's being threatened again. He was talking about bodies being kept in the creek or something like that and that therefore oysters wouldn't be in there if there were bodies. I don't know. I was just.
2: That's yeah. what I love
3: about this show is that the language is so yeah boy sometimes that you're just like it just washes out and this is my third time watching it and i sometimes i i talk to people that watch it and they're like no no i couldn't cope with that no no i didn't understand what was going on you know so
1: that one made me stop and wonder and i literally did not have time to go back and re-listen but i wanted to yeah that was one of the more um uh ones that were not
6: terribly obvious it's funny, though, because it is true, like, you do benefit from watching it again. Last week, the last week, last time's episode, I watched it twice, and I found yeah. that I understood it a lot better. Mm-hmm. This week, I only watched it once. I'm like, eh. Uh. <laughs> 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 yeah, you follow, <laughs> you follow what they say a lot better, because it's hard to write notes and catch everything that's going on, too. So. Is it just
3: in, sorry, Guy.
6: No, go on, interesting one.
3: Uh, Well, I was just thinking that this show, when you think about it, it's not that old in terms of, you know, what is it, 10 years? Was it 2005 or something like that? This show was, was on air. But
6: yeah. This one, it said 2006.
3: Okay. So, but it's, I don't know if there'd be another show with such amazing language and such amazing. Mm. I mean, maybe, you know, some of the stuff that, that David Milch has done, you know, you could, you could argue, but, whether people don't have time for it, you know, whether they just don't – the attention span's not there. Because sometimes I'm winding back and putting the subtitles on or I'm saying – "I think or I'm thinking I didn't catch that and whether people just don't want to do that. But I find it so enjoyable to watch because of the language and the level of detail, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm incredibly
6: impressed by, by the writing on this show. Yeah. I think I'd probably watch this show again if if I – you know, like in the future, not maybe not right away, but I'd probably give it another watch. I like it enough for that.
3: Come back to it after you've done all the Lovejoy seasons.
6: <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're not
1: going to do that?
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was I was thinking before when we were talking about that, that uh, Russell should guide us through a uh, uh, episode of Lovejoy of his choosing. <laughs>
3: oh, no. Well, what was funny is that, after listening to you, because there was, a, there is, there is a Lovejoy podcast, Bruvjoy,
4: mm-hmm. Uh yeah, that we've... Matt
3: you re- you yeah, Matt, yeah. you recommended, yeah, and I uh-huh. I got about halfway through one one episode. <laughs> so, but yeah, that would be fun. I'd be up for that. <laughs> Not sure you guys would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I think I said that. I was like, yeah, you should watch another episode, and Matt went, yeah, that ain't going to happen.
1: <laughs> I anyway. remember that.
0: Huh. Well, I'm not sure what there would be to talk about, because a lot of what we, we discussed was what, what, what the premise was, basically, and we explored the premise, uh, unless okay. we, we were way off. Remember how Hoss had his
3: hand over his mouth? That's me right now.
6: <laughs> okay. I'm,
3: right. I'm, I'm really I'm trying not to talk. <laughs>
6: <laughs> we're all a bunch of motherfuckers. <laughs>
3: Love joy. No, there's 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 no end to the joy of love joy. I mean, anyway, <laughs> let let's move on, Matt. Please. <laughs> All right.
0: Uh, I I was going on the internet trying to find. Well, you guys were uh John. I was looking for any information about this line of Jacks where he says, "Nor one imagines is the local creek rife with oysters." I I, I don't know. I can't make nice. sense of it either.
1: Oysters were like a, a a luxury food, from what I can remember, from what I've heard of. Uh, You know, the way they were used in the writings that I've read from that period. Um,
6: What if you meant it like in an aphrodisiac sort of way? Maybe it's a sexual uh, comment. Possible.
3: Yeah, or that they don't need them because the gem is there and, you know, uh, or maybe it's just flowery language, which I love anyway. That's great that, you know, maybe that's just the reason that the writer was like, this sounds good.
1: (laughs) Yeah. He said this right after um, Al was leaving to meet Hearst, right? Yeah, yeah and
3: I think Alad basically gone. It was he was almost saying it to himself and then there's a cut there's a cut okay. to the the stag head on the on the wall.
1: Okay. How does this how does this sound for a theory? That because you know, oysters growing in the creek that life is not going to be easy. Because like oysters were you know, as I say, oysters were considered like a, a like a luxury food. Something that was, you know, nice a good thing that, you know, you would you would eat when you were well, well healed and and so forth. And so one wouldn't think that oysters were growing in the creek, that life was going to be easy and just able to go to the creek and pick oysters.
5: I really want oysters now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that sounds plausible.
8: That Your Matt theory, will, Carol.
0: I, <laughs> I, I don't think literally it's about oysters. It must mean something else, and that that yeah. could be the yeah the idea yeah, that mean, I, things will not be will not come easy to us.
1: Yeah,
0: something we want is not here in abundance. We have to work for things.
1: Yeah, that's things aren't going to be. You know, money isn't going to be growing on trees, and and uh, you know the food isn't going to cook itself, and. Yeah, you, know, you aren't going to just be handed happiness and easy life. Whatever. Yeah,
0: works for me. Yeah. yeah, I like it. Oh, also waiting at the hotel to see George Hurst, that shitbird Cy Tolliver.
1: Oh, by the way, before we go to that, um, there was that that uh, talk between Dolly and Al, where he asked her where who she was going to vote for, and she had said um, that she was going to vote for um, Star and what Harry. And and then when he said no for Bullock, and she said, "But he uh, he yells at you." She likes like Dolly really cares about Al. I know,
4: (laughs)
6: and he (laughs) treats her like crap. (laughs) He does, and she's so sweet. She just she displayed that several times this episode that she likes him. Yeah,
1: yeah, and it was just when she was like when she said that, I was just like, "Oh, I know, poor silly." Little girl. I <laughs> know. Oh, <laughs> oh, it's so sad that you care about this guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Seth gets a fast quote from Saul on the worth of the livery, $1,200. Leon is opening a, an account at the bank. There's some weirdness here. We'll see Leon again in a bit. So weird. Definitely. It was weird, yeah. Seth yeah. comes in. He wants a $1,200 loan for Steve the Drunk. We learn that his actual surname is Fields which is kind of a coincidence since there's already a general Fields. Mm. Seth's going to co-sign the loan. Trixie does the paperwork. I don't usually read the reviews for these episodes before we discuss them because I like to have my opinions be be my own, but I did happen to read Alan Steppenwall's review of this one, and he speculated that perhaps David Milch just liked the way that Fields sounded coming after Steve, Steve Fields, and he forgot that he had already named a character with that last name.
4: <laughs> yeah.
6: Or maybe it's just to show that maybe... Because didn't they used to give the slaves their masters na- surnames or whatever? Very mm. often. So, you know, maybe it's, maybe he thought about it that much, but maybe he didn't.
0: <laughs> so,
6: could be either way. Yeah. he could have meant it ironically.
0: Hurst has back pains again. The camp does not suit him. He plans on leaving and letting Cy and Al run things on his behalf. Al wants to know what and how much, which Psy finds poor form, but Al has no patience for Hearst, not after what Hearst did to his hand. Al tells Mm -hmm. Hearst to relay his terms to Adams, then he leaves. They've spoken for the last time. Meanwhile, Psy is a ready and willing employee. Yep.
1: Notice, the first thing I noticed in that was that um, Al had his back against the wall and was not moving away from that wall. Mm. Nobody was going to be coming up behind him during that meeting.
4: Hmm.
3: Yeah, I didn't notice that, but I, you know, I noticed he was close to the door, like ready to just <laughs> dive out. <laughs> I don't yeah, know whether that was from fear. From fear, it doesn't seem like it was fear, or whether it was just like I, I, the 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 way he played, it was like I haven't got time for this. You know, it was it was like that.
1: It was definitely I haven't got time for this. But my feeling was that he. I mean, I would assume that Al had a weapon on him, and. I've known a lot of guys who will not sit with their back to the door um, and they they have to sit with their back to the wall. And Al, it was so clear, especially with the comments made about, you know, the captain coming up from behind and and everything else. It's like, took one look at the way that was set up and it's like, okay, Al's got his back against the wall. He's near the door where he can see everything coming in and he is not going to let... Hearst get the drop on him this time.
3: It's a shame Wild Bill didn't think that, isn't it?
1: Well, that's the thing. That's everybody says that's the first time that Wild Bill. He ever did it. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people feel like he, he did it on purpose.
0: Right. It is now dusk. Jane says she'll doff her hat to Seth. If he pulls this off, Charlie gives Jane the news about Joni's building. Seth signs the loan document using Trixie as a desk asshole.
3: <laughs> she offered. Why? Why, why does Trixie? You know, was that just the reason she said that, or is it, is yeah. she seems to just constantly hate on Seth so much,
2: yeah.
1: and I she don't just, really know why. She just hates Seth. I mean, using her back to to that's normal. That people used to do that all the time. Mm-hmm. You don't see people do that so much anymore. But hmm. back when I was a kid and stuff, you you know, you just turn your back to somebody so they could write. You know, so they could write something.
0: And and she offered. No, she yeah. just doesn't like Seth. Right.
1: Just, she just thinks that he's a total idiot.
0: Judgmental.
1: Yeah. yeah. She thinks
0: hey. he's he's judgmental. Yes. Right.
1: Yes. Well, she's not judgmental.
0: No, she's pro- but we know that she likes to project. <laughs> so she doesn't like the way he treats Saul. Yeah. Dumps all of all of his crap on Saul. I mean, it's everything that she does, but she sees it in him and therefore she doesn't like him. Right.
1: She didn't like the way she, he treated Alma. Mhm. She, she just doesn't like him at all. Yeah. She didn't like the way he and Al fight. That's another, you know,
0: he and Al have had problems. So it's it's petty and it doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's just her character quirk. It's just yeah, she's chosen not to like this guy, and she doesn't need a reason.
1: I love that Jane is outraged that Steve gives drunks a bad name. (laughs) (laughs) I love that line.
0: Yeah. And now it is night, dinner time at the hotel. The lady from the stagecoach last episode comes downstairs. We don't know who she is yet, but we learn that she's educated and likes to draw before she eats. When will Eb have the courage to search her room?
2: Oh, that was
1: that was so random.
0: <laughs> I was wondering, like, if Eb, if he
3: really thinks he's helping. You know, he's he's sort of that sort of character that like. He get if he, when he gets beat up, or whatever, he's like, well, but I was doing good for the camp. Like, why does everybody hate me? It's really interesting that also the the actor said I read that book, Matt, that you know the one that David Milch wrote, and, the, and there's interviews with different people in there. And Eb, um, the guy that plays Eb, was saying he was loathed on set. You know, people would not would sort of walk around him, <laughs> even when he wasn't, you know, in in character. <laughs>
0: He just exudes this oiliness, yes. this yeah.
3: grossness. But it's funny that does. It's like we're all. The, does he know? He obviously doesn't. There's obviously some part of him that's like, "Oh, I'm doing a good job." You know, I'm a guy. I'm a good guy. Or I don't know.
0: It's a really strange thing. E.B. tries to impress her. This quotation: "Trailing clouds of glory." It is a line from "Ode: Intimations of Immortality" from "Recollections of Early Childhood" by William Wordsworth, completed in 1804. The poem makes explicit Wordsworth's belief that life on earth is a dim shadow of an earlier, purer existence, dimly recalled in childhood and then forgotten in the process of growing up. Beautiful. (laughs) Our birth is but a sleep and a forgetting, the soul that rises with us, our life star, hath had elsewhere its setting and cometh from afar, not in entire forgetfulness and not in utter nakedness, but trailing clouds of glory do we come from God who is our home. Heaven lies above us in our infancy, shades of the prison house begin to close upon the growing boy, but he beholds the light and whence it flows, he sees in it his joy.
5: I don't like poetry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine
3: E.B. going Derp. through more, more than yeah. the line of that either. I'm just mm. a simple hoople head.
1: <laughs> it, That era of poetry is very dense.
0: Mm-hmm. And and she says, "Oh, you read poetry." And he's like, N- "Well, I read readers digest." Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's all that is. Like we we'll take excerpts from like actual like larger works and just put it in a little thing for my mother to read, basically. And
3: he, said he, he said he suppresses the authors. <laughs> he doesn't remember the authors' names. Mm-hmm. I
1: yes, that was a nice touch that he yeah. Purposely ignores the, or as you say, suppresses the
0: authors. You're such a phony. <laughs> One of the actors from the troupe, Bellegarde, has been waylaid at a fort and is now a soldier, I think. Didn't really follow this dialogue either.
1: Yeah, did he, was he waylaid or was he? Yeah, that was weird.
0: Bone weary and soldiering on. And then they said, oh, he's a soldier now? They're like, Well, he's an actor. So maybe he's just trying out, trying out to be a soldier the way that, you know, he's like method acting. I'll just, try, I'll just try this out for a little bit just for, you know, background. I'll, you know, put this in my toolkit, my actor's toolkit, and then I'll quit.
1: Uh, they didn't have method acting back
0: then. <laughs> he's a pioneer. <laughs> Joni and Jacqueline Grish reach an agreement about her building. He will build a new school at his expense. Rita Sue disapproves of how thin Joni is. Hmm. So again, either he, she's jealous. Or she has body
5: image issues. Or she just thinks a healthy woman has more meat on her bones. Or all of the above. Mm-hmm.
0: Hostetler says $1,200 is a fair amount for the livery, but he won't sign any documents before Steve signs, because he doesn't want to look foolish, should Steve not follow through. Seth is annoyed and Fields is shocked. Like, how? Like what are you doing, Hostetler? Yeah. I didn't
5: really understand why either of them wouldn't sign before the other. Pride. Pride. What could possibly go wrong?
1: Yeah, Hostetler is afraid that uh Steve will just not sign and kind of throw it in his face, and then he'll feel uh it's foolish, and Steve is just being a jerk and saying, no, I want him to sign first to prove he really wants to sell it or some such, and I'm, you know, I'm the one that is being a, you know, I'm I'm the one that is helping him out type thing
4: mm-hmm. They're
1: just being jerks both of them
3: <laughs> and Seth is like so patient here. he's like I'm not an errand boy but he's still like going between them and trying to resolve it
0: because
1: mm. he doesn't want his camp to blow up
0: and, and honestly Hostetler comes out looking worse I think in this because remember when he was so apologetic for his role to play in Seth's son's death yeah And now it's like I can, now I'm inconveniencing the sheriff
1: right? and making him
0: really work for this. It's like, what happened to you being so sorry?
1: What Mm. happened was Steve in the, uh, in the bar.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Steve happened.
1: (laughs) All the nonsense that Steve said in the bar is what happened.
0: And poor general fields is just like, dude, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Stop it.
1: You got, general on one side saying to hostetler what are you doing and everybody in the bar saying to steve what are you doing
0: Mm -hmm. and i remember that line from the previous season where general field says hostetler they sure have made you crazy with pride yep silas has been looking for that person whose name he was instructed never to say al does not want him searching for that douchebag hawkeye is not a douchebag slap al doesn't (laughs) want his protege hanging around his loser friends
1: I uh, do not remember who Haw- Hawkeye is.
5: Mel forgot too. Yeah, he's just some guy.
1: Yeah, I was like, "Who?" I literally wrote that down. Who is Hawkeye?
5: Dan and, threw him on the ground once.
3: <laughs> Got a big handlebar mustache and was wearing like a bowler hat, and to hang uh, out out was that. hanging around.
1: Was he the one that uh that this guy came in with when he first?
5: Yeah, came yeah. from the
1: the town when they he first met Al.
5: Yep. Yeah. Oh. She's seen him like three times, maybe?
1: So, what do we know what happened to him? Why he's gone and, and this guy is looking for him? And why Al hates him? Or do we know any of that stuff? Or is it just kind of coming in, in the middle of it?
0: He, I think Al just doesn't like him. He disappears. He's not reliable.
1: Okay. All right. So, we don't have a lot of explanation about it. It's just apparently this guy has disappeared again and- He's been out looking for him again, and we didn't really have... None of that happened, and I just forgot about it.
0: Right. The the idea being, Silas goes missing to look for his friend who is missing, and Al needs Silas here. Okay. And Silas is hanging out with his old loser friends. Okay. And he's supposed to be hanging out with his new cool friends.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't sure whether I had just forgotten stuff, or whether it was one of those things where... We were coming into the middle of the story type.
4: Yeah, we
0: pr- pretty much coming into the middle of the story. Okay.
1: All right. That's fine. Thank you.
0: <laughs> no problem. Alice says Silas has the appearance of disloyalty, which may cause Hurst to confide in him information. And Silas is like, thanks?
1: <laughs> Hasn't he used Silas that way before?
0: Yes. I'm pretty sure he has.
1: That's what I thought. I thought I remembered this scenario going, oh, Yeah.
5: I'm curious um, as to why he's so confident Silas Silas won't turn on him. Silas wasn't part of that whole like nurse Al back to health thing, was he? No, he
3: wasn't around.
5: No, I don't
1: think so. I think he's just read read Silas pretty pretty
5: I was, well. I was figuring and Silas would you know, if you offered him enough money, he'd sell it to anyone.
0: He yeah. he's proven himself to be pretty loyal.
1: Yeah.
5: And
3: ambitious as well, isn't he? He wants to sort of get on and be in the right part of the camp.
1: And I think he has a lot of respect for Al and what Al can do for him.
0: Yeah. And Al is investing time into this guy. And yeah. he doesn't want to be disappointed. And in the background, Dan spots Al with Silas and his jealousy resurfaces, which is why I think he decides to act important by bossing some whores around. Yeah. <laughs> then they turn and look at him like, what's going on over there? Eh, never mind. <laughs> So the word "douchebag" It's a, not a period-appropriate word. Yeah, this uh, happens.
6: was there no douchebags back then.
0: Oh, there were douchebags of plenty, but they didn't call them that. What they called them? I just—I guess cocksuckers. <laughs> <laughs> I okay. don't know. I don't know what they called them, but I'm, they were douchebags. I'm sure
1: they probably had some name for them that now we would we would hear and say, "What does that mean?"
0: Uh, like a nincompoop.
1: I'm gonna look no, this up. Nincompoop. We still.
0: Yeah, but. Someone's a and poop." now, it's not really a, an insult. It is, but it's not major. I found a little article about uh, the word douchebag. It's on a blog called Dialect Blog, and the article is the, on the evolution of douchebag. Yeah, I just found that too. And the person <laughs> writes, First use of the word as an insult may be from the 1939 book based on the Lucky Luciano Trials, which mentions a character named Jimmy Douchebag, or from the 1951 novel *Here to Eternity*, the trouble with you, Pete," the voice that did not seem to come from him but from the cigarette said savagely, "is that you can't see further than that douchebag nose of yours."
5: Creative, creative <laughs> use of insult.
6: But I think it was always. But I think it was always called. It was always called a douche, though. Mm. Like what you're, you know, the actual word. I for just remember. Re- it's a
5: douche. I just remember Rita Sue douching with soda pop in them. A-
6: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Like shaking it and then, like,
3: (laughs) I have no idea what you're talking about. We don't use that word here. It's like,
0: oh, really? You don't? don't? Because I just found an article from The Guardian that said, if you're reading this in public, look up for a second. Chances are you'll spot a douchebag. You might even see a few of them. (laughs) If you're reading this in certain parts of London, you could probably put a snooker ball in a sock, spin around once, and take out dozens of douchebags in the process. Douchebags are everywhere. Suddenly, without realizing, we've all somehow ended up living on planet douchebag.
5: But you know what a
3: douche is, right? Mm-hmm. No, uh, I mean... Uh, I think so. Sorry. So, uh, it's like my... vinegar
5: and water or something? I know, but you know what it's for, right? <laughs> I know what it's for,
3: yeah. But okay. only, only through American movies in yeah. my sort of consciousness, and then going... At some point, I must have gone, what is a douchebag? And then looked it up. <laughs> and realized oh that's not very nice
6: but it's not like <laughs> eat one right so it's not like you're
3: <laughs> but i don't know what the i'm trying to think what i don't know maybe i'm totally off here and maybe everybody in england uses that word except me so i'd but but i'd have to check with my with my friends and colleagues which i will in the next few days and report back but um you know i don't yeah i don't know what the equivalent is or what we would say so it's interesting.
5: And apparently, when you call somebody a scumbag, you're calling them a condom.
1: Yeah.
5: <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yeah.
1: Um, there's, I just found a, um, a page of 18, um, of brutal insults from the 1800s that demand a comeback. <laughs> now, I've been looking to try and figure out whether this is an, a British page or an American page, and the spelling is American, so I assume it's an American page. And, uh, some of them are quite interesting. A church bell is a talkative woman. A flapdoodle
5: is <laughs> flap a flapdoodle.
1: Like flapdoodle is a sexually incompetent man who is either too young to have sex or one who's too old to attempt it. Um, Al, sure. Al yeah. was kind of a flapdoodle. <laughs> <whole of this laughs> yeah. A foosler is a bungler, one who does things clumsily. A gib face is an ugly person, especially with a heavy lower jaw. <laughs> a hedge creeper is a prostitute. Apparently, it's hedge creeper <laughs> like
2: yeah.
1: that. someone who works in the countryside creeper could also be substituted for prowler or ranger now that sounds like a very british thing as opposed to an american thing swaggler, that one i've heard mm-hmm. it's a fraud fraud or a cheat that one still in um still in one, use in 1900s
5: one british insult i never understood was tosser what does tosser mean that means that you're a, you're a masturbator. <laughs> oh, okay. oh. So,
3: do you know? Do you use wanker? I thought
5: that was a wanker. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. Well, that's what we, we 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 use that a lot. So
5: we don't that. use either
1: one of those. I. But I. Yeah. It seems like you guys have a lot of words for that particular.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, when it's raining, there's not much
4: else to do here.
1: <laughs> a jollux is a fat person.
4: Wow. Oh. Uh,
1: a malmsey nose. Is a heavily acneed nose. Mumsy mm. nose. Mumsy nose. Oh, mumsy. Malmsy nose. Mm. A meter is a coward.
0: Why don't you um, post this link on the? Yeah, because I'd love or, to see it. Carol. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're borrowing from my favorite book, Flappers to Rappers.
1: No. <laughs> American <I'm>, youth slang. <laughs> it's just actually when I put in in like um, 19th century insults or something like that, I got like a bunch of different pages. It was actually pretty interesting. I'll I'll post them.
0: Sounds good. But yeah, the, the term douchebag is definitely anachronistic. Not appropriate for this time. Jack Langridge suggests Al try getting his prick sucked at a different time of day. and might produce a different outcome. Unfortunately, he's being quite the uh, flap winker <laughs> right now, or whatever the term was. <laughs> Characters we see this episode we didn't see last episode. Silas Adams, bringing our total to 11. Wow. Seth brings the documents to Steve, and Steve is like, well, how about we keep the black guy waiting a bit longer, huh? And Seth just jabs him in the face. Steve <laughs> won't sign until Hostetler does. Ugh. Later at the hardware store, Saul suggests to Seth that when Hostetler and Steve have cooled down, have them sign simultaneously.
5: <laughs> I love the look they give each other. Like, yeah, I just gave you good advice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I- You're welcome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: My note was that Saul st- steps in to keep Seth from finishing plotting the untimely deaths of both of them.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: I just, the look on his face before Saul said anything was like, how can I kill them both at the same time and yeah. get rid of this problem?
3: Don't you think Saul is, I, I thought this was great because the amount of times that Saul is just like, "Huh," you know, like what's going on? I don't know what's going on. Like when, you know, Trixie goes off to piss and he's like, I thought you just went to piss, you know, and, yeah. and now here he is actually knowing what's going on and giving good advice, his partner good advice. I thought it was great. He sort of stepped up to the plate, really.
1: I think he's really good at that kind of stuff. Um, it's when he's dealing with, with more intimate sorts of yeah. things.
3: He sees it from um, a distance. He's, he's better.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: Dan's feelings are hurt. He's upset Al didn't pick him as his representative with Hearst. Al explains the logic to Dan about needing someone who doesn't appear to be loyal to him. But they both think that Silas is. And Doc may be a lunger.
5: So what what disease does that refer to? Anyone
0: who has a chronic lung disease, but particularly tuberculosis.
5: TB, yeah.
4: Yeah.
0: Dan is such a (laughs) crybaby.
3: I love this scene. I I love Dan when he's all... He's all sort of vulnerable because of Al doing something like that. And Al looks so sort of jaded with it. He's obviously been through it so many times.
1: I have down that Seth and Al are both dealing with hard heads whose prides and feelings get hurt all, yeah. are really getting in the way and annoying.
0: <laughs> Ellsworth compliments Alma to Sophia. Well, wow, what a, a beautiful and powerful woman Alma is. She smiles. She looks outside and sees Leon tip his hat and announces that she'll take the air just briefly. What the fuck is happening?
3: I know. I've suddenly... Do you know what? I've only just clicked it now. I've realized what's happening. Oh, my God. And this is bizarre. I've watched it three times.
1: (laughs) That was Leon? I couldn't tell who that was. I was kind of afraid it was Leon, but I couldn't imagine.
3: So, Leon's going to supply her with drugs, right?
1: With jokes? Yeah. Yes, that must be it.
3: She, she's yeah. she's she gonna wants- she wants to to chase the dragon or whatever you call it or whatever you know and Leon's the who can fix her up. True. Am I right? I don't know. Maybe
5: I'm. Oh, you think sex she's- at first, but I think you're right. <laughs> uh.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I left that. That was a great big question on my part. What the hell is she doing? I think is what.
3: Yeah, and it was for me until now. I just suddenly thought, hang on a minute, Leon. He tips the hat. She goes outside. I'm going to take the air. And we never see where she goes. And then um, what else? What other reason would they have? And the weird conversation they have in the bank as well. Mm.
1: So you think he's her supplier and that
3: she's back
5: from the stuff.
3: Yeah. But I can't remember. I have watched this three times. I can't remember what happens.
5: That's got to be it. I mean, yeah. That's what he's known for.
3: (laughs) Yeah.
0: druggy. Mm. Maybe they're going to take a bubble bath together. (laughs) Uh (laughs) No. Well, they'll 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 be in separate tubs, but a communal experience.
2: <laughs>
0: Joni tells Jane that she doesn't know where they'll end up, but Joni says, "You're welcome wherever I go, and Mose can come too, although they may have to widen some doorways." Where does the stage go? Well, I don't know.
2: <laughs> I love I that. love
0: that. Yeah, great. Yeah, I love these two together.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: They
0: make me so happy. The Bullocks are in bed, and Seth is expressing wonderment at Saul's diplomacy skills. However, just because Hostetler and Steve agreed tonight to Saul's idea doesn't mean they'll complete the transaction at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. Martha asks for no harm to come to the horse.
6: That was nice, but what about what about Hostetler and the General? <laughs> Martha, oh, she... you inconsiderate bitch.
5: Oh, <laughs> no. no. <laughs> she nice
6: that she cares about the horse, though, but... <laughs>
0: She's had like two lines the last two episodes.
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't think, uh, I think she thinks that they're taken care of. Or you know what? She might not even realize the kind of danger that they were in. Mm, Maybe. That wouldn't be all that unusual. Kind of like how clueless Jane was when she was, you know, oh, I'll sit with, you know, I'll be seen with whoever. I'm not scared of what people think. Well, yeah, but you could get the guy killed.
0: And now we come to the final scene of the episode, Al's second blowjob soliloquy or blowjob log of the episode. Mm-hmm. Al is still bitter and ashamed that Hurst took his finger. He's angry that Captain Turner held him down. He tells Dolly that when he was at the orphanage, his mother, who had gotten on a boat to go suck prick in Georgia, had changed her mind, but the orphanage proctor held him down so he couldn't make his way to the ship. His mother may have thrown him overboard, but what if she hadn't? What if she had changed her mind? But we never got to find out because he was held down. Dolly doesn't like being held down either. Al says, I guess I do that, huh? And she lies and says, no. He thanks her for lying.
5: <laughs> so, yeah, this was interesting how it all boiled down to this memory. It was like, you're like, what's his problem? And then he lets you know.
6: <laughs> he really doesn't like feeling powerless.
0: Hmm. But I like that moment of self-realization. Like, oh, I guess I hold you down too. Yeah. 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 It's
6: nice that he actually admitted that, you know. Yeah, that's the first time that he has
1: come close to anything like that. Mm. That I remember, anyway.
6: <laughs> that was the closest thing to affection that I've seen between the two of them. <laughs> or
1: empathy for yeah. from Al for any of the um, the women who work there.
0: Oh, I forgot to mention that earlier in the saloon, Jack says... To Al uh, about Dolly, like she has like a sweet smile or something. Yes, and and we see her kind of smiling sweetly, and and she was very she was very nice in that little moment.
6: Yeah, she was really cute.
3: Her parents would be proud of her if they watched
5: this scene. <laughs> <laughs> that just that scene.
0: That scene.
6: <laughs> that
5: scene. <laughs> Put it on your demo reel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but not
3: the rest of it. Always fascinates me that it must be so difficult to shoot a scene like that. Like. You know, Al's got to do some, well, Ian McShane's got to do some serious acting, and that's going on. And how, you know, how do you physically do it and make it look real? It's just, it uh, must be so awkward to shoot and to do, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, and he had his, um, like, Long John's wide open.
3: He's a fine figure of a man, isn't He's he? Like,
0: <laughs> just letting it all hang out. <laughs>
3: He's a real sex symbol in the UK, believe me. We yeah. are. <laughs> well, no, going back to the Lovejoy days, I think he probably. Be, but the the I'm asking the girls, obviously. Well, well, I'm asking anybody, but he's Al's not attractive, right? <laughs> <laughs> I take Mel from your laugh. I'll take that as an answer.
2: <laughs>
3: Sorry, Carol. Of... Anything to. Add?
1: <laughs> um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call him my type, no.
5: <laughs> I can see I can see him. I don't think he's an ugly man. He's not
1: an ugly man. No, he's not an ugly man.
6: No. No. He's he's a handsome fellow, but I, I, I not necessarily with the long johns opened up like that. <laughs> yeah.
5: They're not flattering for
6: everybody. It's not flattering. Yeah. Sorry. It's just it's disturbing.
4: <laughs> <laughs> huh.
1: uh, I mean uh, yeah, it, Ian McShane is a perfectly fine-looking fellow. Yeah, um, uh, but is Al a
6: you know
4: sexy guy?
6: Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of it has to do with personality too. Like, you yeah, know. yeah.
3: Well, I find him quite attractive.
1: You know, uh, there's someone for everyone out there. <laughs>
0: there it is. Nice. I like his longer hair.
1: We don't judge. This?
0: Yeah, when he tends to look a little more greasy and grimy, I think he it's it's a good look for him, actually. It makes him more unhinged and dangerous, which is oh. intriguing. Oh. Ooh.
4: <laughs> dangerous. You like the dangerous ones don't you?
6: you <laughs> <laughs> Oh. <laughs> You're like, ooh, Alma opening up a bank, dangerous. <laughs>
3: Wearing a padded quilt, dress. <laughs>
4: Dangerous.
3: She's, she's expecting
0: danger. Let's review our predictions. Carol predicted Alma finally admits she should listen to Ellsworth. Many in the camp realize who they should put their faith into and who deserves credit for what.
1: Totally wrong. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say it. Totally wrong.
0: Matt predicted that the episode will will focus heavily on the new bank. Well, ah. not heavily, but it was, it was in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: Point two. A
0: day in the life of Saul. Well, he was he was in the episode. Okay, but
1: no. That's Something
0: weird. about church and taxes. Deadwood becomes a theocratic republic with Andy Cramed as mayor. I think you lost lost a little bit at the end. <laughs> yeah. Damn.
4: You had it.
1: Yeah. She stopped where where the getting was good there.
0: Mel predicted people are attending Andy Crame's new church, but they can't afford to put money in the collection basket, so they charge their donations onto credit. And then Andy Crame rules over the mall with the power of Jesus. <laughs> the two of you are, you, you reference Andy Kramed a lot in your predictions.
4: <laughs> he wasn't even in this episode.
6: No, he hasn't
0: been since last season.
6: <laughs> That's like the one guy that should have showed up
4: and didn't. <laughs> I don't even remember who that is. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Anyways.
0: No, he he was the guy who got the plague and oh, then came okay. back and became a, yeah. uh, a minister. And then then stabbed, stabbed Psy.
1: By. He was in this this uh season.
0: Oh you no, know, he that's right, because he uh came back to apologize. <laughs> I apologize. That's, that's yeah. the other uh thing he's he's famous for, he's famous It's for, his yeah. I apologize.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, Mel's predictions. I think both Mel's and Matt's over the course of the podcast have been great. There was, I think early on there was one about there's a big flood and it comes through and wipes out the whole town. And I was like, yeah. wow. <laughs> was like,
1: was like,
0: <laughs> it's like, I want to see that. <laughs> there's still time.
2: There's,
1: yeah. There is. There is. And <laughs> that part of the country is, you know, flash floods are a big problem.
0: <laughs> it wasn't just going to be a flood, it, they were all gonna be baptized as well. 37, <laughs> yeah. 37 <So> baptisms. <laughs> yeah. I think was the prediction.
1: I think there was a point where there were vampires involved too, I'm not sure.
0: Oh, that was the vampire god who yeah. <laughs> demands wow. his blood cocktail.
1: Yeah. Oh, you can never that part it, I'm eight. not so sure is, you know, all that common out there, but it's gonna happen.
3: Yeah, but maybe for the up and coming film they might have taken some of your ideas. Mm-hmm. Mm. Doc, Doc is
5: becoming a vampire, didn't you know? <laughs> <laughs> so
1: that's what's wrong with him. Yeah, he's,
5: he's becoming a vampire lord.
0: <laughs> and for our miscellaneous prediction, uh, I wanted you to predict how many characters we would see this episode that we did not see in the previous episode. Uh, let's see here. Matt predicted two. Carol predicted three. Mel predicted five. But we had 11 Oh, I still yes. wait, I still Jane, Captain Turner, Con Stapleton, Leon, Tom Nuttall, Harry Manning, Hostetler, General Fields, Steve, Dolly, and Silas Adams. So, yes, the person who comes closest is Mel. She's three yes. out of four for the season. Yes, Mel's doing a victory yes, dance, so I'm yes. beating her.
4: Oh! <laughs> oh, 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 oh. 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 <laughs>
3: <laughs> that really shows the depth of this show doesn't it That there's 11 characters i mean that you know because i was thinking there's we haven't seen jewel for a while and i miss seeing jewel you know oh, right. there's so many characters that you know are so great and the the new guy that they introduced this season who's the what's i've forgotten his name but he's got the boarding house where Joni went oh, wow. um, you know there's people that you don't see and they sort of seem to come in and then they And that's why I understood a little bit from the reading the book and that that people like Richardson were never planned to be big characters, and then David Mills liked just the look of them so much that they became you know characters much bigger parts. You know,
0: Mm -hmm. there's too many characters, (laughs) like we know that, (laughs) which is why we we see very little of like Martha the last two episodes, and in some shows they could do. Like she could have a whole season story arc. Yeah, and in this, she's she had like a little bit of a story, and then they keep her around.
5: They need to kill some more characters. We haven't had that many like shocking deaths of main characters in this whole series. Mm.
1: I have a feeling you ask and you shall receive. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm guessing they're gearing up for it.
5: Going to thin the herd a little.
1: I'm 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 assuming so.
0: Yeah, but even if they do given the rate that Milch operates at and he'll add like 10 more. Yeah. Another stage coach will come in with another mm-hmm. theater company.
3: I was just remembering that Will had posted something about David Milch losing all that money and that, and that he was a gambler, you know, and he'd, he'd lost like a hundred million dollars or something like that. And it's just amazing. Like a real creative guy and great shows, amazing shows. And then like this. Yeah.
4: That's crazy.
0: Alright, let's move on to feedback. Uh, I've got some feedback from Nutty. Mel, why don't you read this one?
6: Sir. Wow, that was a pretty good episode. Al scene with Dolly at the end was amazing. I feel like Ian McShane should have gotten an Emmy for that. For
5: a blowjob. <laughs> 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 it's an Emmy and a blowjob. <laughs> <only buddy. laughs> <It's> or, a- <laughs> or an adult video
0: film award, or whatever they're called.
6: Yes. It's everything Matt read from Milch last episode, and then when Al sympathizes with Dolly, I just lost it. That was a great scene. Seth reacted different than I expected seeing Hostetler and the horseback, but I love where this went. I love how he handled things, I love how mad he got, his conversation with-, with Charlie had me rolling with laughter. The best part was how Martha was all on board, and he knew her mind about it all. Don't let anything happen to that horse. It makes me think their marriage isn't a sham? It's a isn't shame. a sham isn't a shame. I think she yeah. means a sham. That's what I kind of thought, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes me think their marriage isn't a sham and that they were really brought together over William's death. I'm happy for Martha. Ellsworth is adorable about Alma. He's adorable, really. I worry why she wants to take the air with Leon outside. Ew, what is that about? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> Don't don't talk to Leon. Ugh. <laughs> Joni and Jane forever. Jane is adorable, and Joni is a good friend to her, but I think Jane makes Joni good too. Like, caring for Jane is as close as she should, she could come to caring for her own kids, like she talked about with Charlie. I like how Jane wants to keep Moe's too. <laughs> <laughs> Can we keep him, please? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this season is getting better and better. Why was this not given a fourth season on HBO? Mm-hmm. Mm. Such a good question. Will we get into that? <laughs> yeah,
0: we'll talk about that later. Okay.
1: You know, that statement about that it's not a shame or not a sham both make sense. Mm-hmm. Because
4: yeah. you know, it's
1: like, oh, it's such a shame that Alma and Seth aren't together anymore, but mm. is is his relationship to Martha, you know, such a shame? Not really. And it's not a sham either. So whichever one she meant it works.
0: Once we got that pesky kid out of the way. <laughs> pesky kids and i should have uh waited to read that thing about from milch about the blow job and how it and the significance of how al felt when he was held back by captain turner and when he was held back by the proctor unable to go chase his, his after his mother but you know I, I collect um all these like comments and i try to insert them in episodes where i feel that they're appropriate but i can't always Remember when certain things happen mm. in what what episodes? So mm. that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. I was I was momentarily confused. I was
3: <laughs> I was like, oh, perhaps I've watched the wrong episode. I suddenly thought that because I remembered you saying that, but it was relevant, particularly relevant to this one.
0: Mm-hmm. She w- was she wasn't in the last one though, but he was held back right by Captain <laughs> Turner.
5: Right, right. So, so it was.
0: Yeah. I guess it was relevant in both yeah. respects. Yeah. Well, we have feedback from Harold. Would you read this, Matt? Okay.
5: This was one of the best episodes so far. It was kind of darkly comedic episode, if you can find the humor in a near lynching. My favorite moments were Al hugging the wall in Hearst's room, Staples, Stapleton blaming his boner on dry cleaning, <laughs> Steve's 100% as expected tirade against blacks taking back what does not belong to him, <laughs> uh, and Seth's trying to control his simmering rage at dealing with these two stubborn men. What does Langrish want J- oh why does Langrish want Joni's building? Has he ever been inside it? <laughs> it seems like in this town a new theater could be built rather quickly. So Doc is about to die. Is he a lunger? <laughs> Hashtag foreshadowing this is so much
2: at the time.
5: This is... oh, how timely. I was cough taking a drink time. of water
0: and went down the wrong pipe.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag cough of death, Matt. <laughs>
0: That's what the doc
1: has been saying all along, too. Yeah. Matt's get... a longer. He's got mm. some punk
0: butter going
4: on there.
5: Uh, yeah. Is Alma about to begin an affair with Lehan? If so, I want a Dick Van Dyke show mashup where they bathe together in separate baths. Give <laughs> 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 well, we'll this 10 out of 10. Wait, why should I go first? Harold. <laughs> Thanks, Harold. <laughs> Thank you,
7: Harold.
1: Thank you Harold. Thank you,
6: Nutty. Is that is that the thing like is that the going theory that uh, uh I guess that Alma's about to begin an affair? Like I know you guys talked about it, but I can't remember what was said. <laughs> already? <laughs> we just talked about it 5 seconds ago. <laughs> 5 seconds ago. It's longer than that. Yeah. Mm. It was at least 3 minutes. I'll have to re-listen to the episode. Yeah. Like this
4: episode. I well, mean, it's either drugs
3: podcast. or or sex or love.
4: Which yes. would
0: you choose with Leon and <laughs> oh, huh. She likes can... his skinny body.
4: Uh, wouldn't
6: <laughs> she, wants cl-
0: she wants to climb that bean pole. <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh no, I can't unsee that in my mind. It's mm. no. <laughs> not good.
0: No. <laughs> uh, we have audio feedback from Hasso. We heard from him earlier.
5: From Hasso Stetler. <laughs> oh. Leave. Leave now. <laughs> oh. Right. Uh, feedback from Hasso.
7: Hi, guys. This is Hasso. Got some feedback for you for Series 3, Episode 4, Full Faith and Credit. Uh, the standout, or one of the standouts in this episode was Seth. I think he was quite funny with his impatience. Um, he was the angry errand boy and I'm sure the writers must have uh, had a bit of fun with that and tried to come up with the uh, most unsuitable job for the sheriff. So they had him running between a racist bigot and a marginalised victim struggling to keep it together. So I thought those um, scenes with Seth, Hustetler and Steve were really good. Um, Steve, he was so genuine with his bigotry, and that really lifted the intensity. And Hustetler, he played it so well, just brimming with rage and only just managing to keep a cap on it especially in the wake of putting it all on the line uh, in placing himself in judgment before Seth. Very brave and dignified person and um, certainly got to feel sorry for that bloke. Uh, Seth and Charlie Utter in the thoroughfare um, had a nice little exchange. Um, Charlie trying to be all diplomatic and uh, delicate and careful and and Seth with, I think, a good three or four um, shots of of him hunched over, glaring at um, Utter just to get to the point was um, really funny. But he, he did it really well too. Uh, Al, I like seeing Al the way he put his um, he's put all his cards on the table as well in the way that um, he's is really standing up to Hurst. Um, the way he walked away from that meeting was definitely a power play. And incidentally, Eb's quip um, when Al and Sai are summoned to the hotel, where he says something like "Titans gather." He just knows that he is a lower life form in the presence of those gods. And I think that's really that was really good. Um yeah, there was a fair bit of humor in this episode. I thought the scenes with uh, Alan Silas just saying the word douchebag however many times it was 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 funny. Um and I think around about that time as well Harry the 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 fireman wannabe um fumbling to get his clothing uh, his coat hung up at the start of the the scene in 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 the bar was was a good one as well. Al certainly got some serious issues, and he's hinted to his past again and you know giving us a little bit more of of a hint of what that might have been um and and really focusing on you know a particular action of being restrained um I think that was quite uh, intense and um he was very convincing in in playing that, and he also acknowledged um the hypocrite he was at that point where um he he drank to uh being a fibber for. The hall with him. Um, how about Alma? Just really deviously tainting a warm and fuzzy moment that her husband uh, was enjoying, and her daughter too. So, so there, there Ellsworth was playing checkers with with their daughter and reflecting on the establishment of the bank. Um, and there was all that kind of metaphoric sigh of relief that everything's finally gotten normal and in a comfortable state, and they can just enjoy being a family again. And there she is, just looking out the window. You know, making eyes to making eyes to Leon of all people. So it was extremely discomforting, um, to say the least. So overall, good episode. Not quite as um, not up to the last few one or two episodes, but I still give the give it um, seven point five racist bigots out of ten. Thanks, guys.
5: Wow, thanks. Thank you. I I thought when uh yeah when he took that drink, I thought he should have at least offered her one. <laughs> He's like, Ooh. yeah, I hold you down. Now watch me drink.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. She's still just there for his convenience.
5: Seemed like he had made progress for a moment, though.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. But not enough to actually <laughs> offer her anything.
0: <laughs> he had what Oprah would call his aha moment. <laughs> and we have one last bit of feedback from Randall. And it is also audio feedback, so I will play that now.
8: Hey there, Hoopleheads. This is Randy from the Grolix podcast. This is a little first-time feedback. Though you've heard my voice before, not too long ago, and it was accompanied by Cowbell. Anyway, I don't know if uh sending in some first-time feedback takes me off of Mel's list as much as it uh makes me eligible for the murder <laughs> list. So, anyway, here we go. Here's some of the uh, standout scenes to me in this episode. I love Joni Stubbs and Charlie. So, naturally, the scene where she comes to the jail and kind of opens up to Charlie was fantastic and she really does open up like she drops some emotional baggage at his door and charlie is a sweet guy but he you could definitely tell he doesn't really know how to handle it when she uh, unleashes about wishing she could care for children she has an interesting way of portraying her grief it almost manifests in a physical pain like she looks physically pained Speaking of physically pained, the Doc looks to be a longer, and that really bums me out because he is my favorite character. Also, that meeting between Hurst, Swearingen, and Psy, and Swearingen's a uh, little tummy ache, I love that he cannot and doesn't even attempt to mask his contempt for uh Hurst. He's not the type to uh play the obedient dog, uh, particularly when he's been wrong like he has. That whole situation between Hostetler and Steve is super frustrating. Bullock handled the general and Hostetler's return uh, very well. And also he's had, he's, he's displayed a lot of patience with the situation between Steve and Hostetler. When Hostetler finally snaps, and understandably so, I found Bullock's reaction really interesting. It enforces even somebody like Bullock, who seemingly, you know, doesn't care what race you are, is still kind of bound by these awful racial standards of the time, if that's the right way to put it. And finally, we end the episode with more insight into Swearingen and his past and kind of what motivates him. And I found this really interesting. Ian McShane obviously knocks it out of the park constantly with the show, and he's given lots of opportunities just to really, like, put his acting skills on display. And I think this scene is definitely one of the standouts in that respect. Also, Al kind of shows Dolly a moment of sweetness, and it's hard to call it sweetness given their relationship, but sweetness and understanding. Um, So that's definitely nice compared to how he usually treats her. All in all, I'd say this is a pretty good episode. It's not overwhelming in plot. It's kind of scaled back in that respect. But at the same time, it's not super exciting. There's some nice moments. Um I'd give this... Seven bosses of the bedclothes out of ten. Thanks, guys, and I love the show. Keep it up.
0: Thank you, Randall.
1: That's... Thank you, Randall. I really think that Seth actually saved Hostetler's life by how he handled Hostetler in that situation. If Hostetler had had blown, if he had done anything to Steve...
5: Steve would have been happy to get the tar again.
1: Hostetler would have... The town would have blown up and Hostetler would have been dead.
0: Also, thank you, Randall, for leaving that
5: five-star review on iTunes.
6: Whoa! You get double yeah. points.
5: You get a, a whole bunch of free passes on the murder list.
6: No, 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 not a whole bunch.
5: Just
0: one?
6: <laughs> 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 I'm, not, on. I'm not going to disclose how many free passes you get to keep you on your toes.
0: Oh, okay. I was going to say, I would have given you a, a lifetime pass to no. off the list, but it's not my list. so It's I not can. your
5: list. I can't. No, I'm sorry, sorry, Rough Matt's murder list. You Who's have... on Matt's murder list? It's for him to say. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: thank you for sending in feedback, Nutty Harold Hasso and Randall. Yay! Bar- Barb said she wasn't going to send in feedback this time because she's still sulking as uh, when Matt called her Parp last time.
6: <laughs> I apologize. She, uh, that doesn't give her a pass, though, <laughs> Barb. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean. We're not responsible for Matt, you know? Don't yeah. don't punish
6: us all for one person. Mm-hmm. Don't punish okay. yourself, especially, most of all. Because, you know, yeah. I think you, you want to die. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Suicide by Mel.
4: <laughs> I'm really, I don't want to live anymore. Mel! <laughs>
5: <laughs> all
0: right, so have- let's get on to rating this episode as the guest. Russell, you get to go first.
3: Oh, I loved this episode, and uh, yeah, I thought it was a, it was great, and and uh, I give it nine out of ten. Richardson's flush with cash.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm still upset that I didn't see him. <laughs> You're going
3: to be going back and finding
0: it. <laughs> I already did while we were talking. It was great. Oh, okay. <laughs> is there
1: is there going to be a screenshot somewhere?
5: Uh yeah, I'll put it on the yes on the page. Nice,
1: yeah.
0: Matt. Why don't you go next?
5: Uh, I liked the episode fine. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. Um, It was just another good episode of Deadwood, so I'll give it um, 8 out of 10. Well, I I wrote this when I assumed she was uh, looking for sex with Leon. I put 8 out of 10 poor choices of (laughs) suitor. Very poor. Very.
0: Mel, why don't you go next?
6: Yeah, this was an alright episode. Uh... I'll give it a seven out of ten shrunken pants boners.
0: Shrunken pants boners.
6: Shrunken pants boners.
0: Wait, what?
6: Talking Shrun- about uh pants what's it shrunk- thing?
0: I just I wanna get it I wanna get it down right. It's oh, shrunken pants boners. pants boners. <laughs> shrunken <laughs> boner pants. Shrunken boner
5: pants. Shrunken boner that instead.
4: That's easier. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe we're talking about this.
0: <laughs> Man. All right, um, Carol, your rating, please.
1: Uh, I'm with Harold. I like this better. I mean, it seems like a lot of people didn't like it as much as some others, and and all of that. I really like this episode. Um, it had a lot of a lot had a lot of really good stuff in it, um, character wise and developmental wise, and it left this big question at the end of what what is alma doing um i'm gonna go with 9.5 out of 10 self-destructive self-righteous hard-headed egotists
0: but who are you referring to because that could refer to any number of people this episode
1: <laughs> exactly
0: um, oh all right <laughs> very clever uh, as for me um I didn't love this episode like I loved the previous episode because uh, that one had Aunt Lou and Al giving Jack a tour of the camp. Al's monologue, though, at the end, his blowjob log, it was so good. Yeah. No. And although Steve's racist rants in my notes, I refer to him as the Bill O'Reilly of the episode.
2: No.
0: As horrible as they are, they're also very compelling, well acted, well performed, uh, and uh, yeah. Elmo looked super foxy, but this Leon stuff is weirding me out. So a good, uh, as Carol would say, uh, what would you say? A transitional episode, a segue episode. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll just give it an eight out of ten. Eight out of 10, a monologuing (laughs) (laughs) flapdoodles. And so far, this is our favorite season (laughs) looking at the, looking at the averages of scores.
1: It's a really good season.
0: Yeah. We'll see if it, uh, holds up. Yeah.
1: How many episodes in this season?
0: There are twelve and we've seen four. So we're,
1: oh.
0: we're we're moving toward the middle.
1: I was hoping there'd be at least eighteen or
0: something. Nope. Oh. Nope. Alright. We'll nominate our characters of the episode. Russell, again, you may go first.
3: Um it's gonna be Al. It's just uh he's I just one of the main reasons why I think I watch this show is just I think he's so good and like you say, that last blow job a glob. Was just amazing. He was just, he was just, it's just fine acting. I always, I think, God, how long does it take to shoot something like that? Do they do it loads of times? Do they, it just is amazing acting. So I, I think Al definitely.
1: Be honest, Russell. If we do any of the episodes for the entire series, is there going to be anybody but Al?
3: Nope. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be Al. We there's a theme, there's honesty. a theme. Theme running here, isn't there?
0: I was just listening to a, a podcast about this show, and not not a threat to us. They just did a one off, but they were talking about how Timothy Oliphant was. Seth Bullock is the lead character of the show, and I'm like, what show are you watching? Because yeah. it's clearly Al. Yeah. Yeah. Character nomination: Mel.
6: Dolly for putting up with Al's blowjob blocks. <laughs>
5: Yeah. <laughs> Joe, Bo- Joe Blow blogs.
6: Joe Blow blogs.
0: Oh, the, if she if she had the internet back then, that's what yeah. she would call it—the Joe Blow blog block, something <laughs> like that. She man- writes
6: about what Al talks about to her while she's giving him a blowjob. <laughs> she's ty- actually
0: typing. <laughs> she got, <blow> it. <laughs> you got a little computer under there. She's
6: got a typewriter in there.
0: Well, a
3: typewriter, of course.
6: Yeah.
3: Well, she dictates it to Blazinoff, and he. Is a- <laughs>
6: And then he sends it to the future for the benefit of the internet.
0: <laughs> Matt,
5: character of the episode. Uh, I'm gonna go with Seth. I like how he handled his rage. <laughs> mm. He mostly kept it in. A little si- few silent tears. One little jab, and then he got help from his friend Saul.
0: Mm-hmm. But, yeah, yeah <laughs> I liked him. I liked him a lot too.
5: Impressive showing,
0: Carol. I had a really
1: hard time picking. Anybody on this? Not because there was nobody, but because it was like
6: everybody. That's why I picked on. Um, Al- <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, I th- I literally have been gone through, and I could make a case for every single person mm-hmm. that was on screen during the, you know, this episode. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick somebody who was hardly in the episode at all, but I'm gonna pick Ellsworth, um, mm-hmm. because he, you know, Alma has been really treating him like crap um the last little while he's she really did a lot of things to hurt his feelings and stuff and he seems to have just put it behind him and the look of love and pride that he had in her accomplishments and everything else um just you know it really just endeared him to me Uh, so i'm gonna go with ellsworth even though he's hardly in it
0: Mm. I think that's a solid choice. I He he had a great scene at the bank, and that scene later in the house was very yeah. sweet. Yeah. Yeah, I could give it to a lot of people. I'm tempted to give it to Harry Manning for being so smart about the fire department when nobody else in camp seems to care. <laughs> <laughs> I could give it to Alma for looking super foxy. Uh,
6: <laughs> but she does weird stuff this episode, so.
0: Weird but interesting.
6: Mm.
0: Um, I yep. could give it to Al, of course. Of course. But I could always give it to Al. Right. I always I try to find other people to give it to. Um man, yeah. it it is it is very tricky.
1: Then there's Jane and Joni, both of them I have, could give it
0: you know? I could give it to Joni for her sort of okay. her breakthrough moment yeah. and her confession to to Charlie, but I decided to give it to and then I forgot who. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and the winner is Oh, I don't remember like uh, now. I forgot.
0: I forgot. Um hmm. No, I had a I had a good choice and then I,
1: I
5: forgot. <laughs> Quick, who's in the episode?
1: Seth, Al, Joni, Jane
5: Eleven new characters. <laughs>
0: Al- <laughs> oh yeah, Seth. I'm gonna give it to Seth. Seth? I'm gonna give it to Seth because uh he was <laughs> he, he had to deal with all that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Those that first of all he had to he had to accept This, you know, Hostetler's sincere apology for what happened to William, which was very big of him. Mm -hmm. And then he had to navigate those very difficult waters between Hostetler and Steve. And uh, he hit Steve a couple times, which is great too. So, Mm
4: -hmm.
0: yeah, that was an easy choice, actually. Now that I think about it, I'll give it to Seth. (laughs) Okay, let's do quotes. Cool. And Russell is the guest you get to go first.
3: Ah. I liked uh, Trixie in the bank. Our hearts fucking leap with joy <laughs> when the guy says he's going to finally open the account.
0: Actually, I have uh, some quotes from that scene. Uh, Mel, you want to help me out again? Sure. <laughs> will you be the hoople head?
6: I'll, I'll of wait. course you
0: will. Oh,
6: shut <laughs> up. <laughs> I put you on notice. Want my money.
1: It better be fucking available, day or fucking night.
0: May I draw you a map then, in case it's night you want, to lead you to where I live so you can wake me.
6: Now fuck you then, I ain't depositing.
0: Oh no? Oh say it ain't fucking so, you stupid fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: that was brilliant last week when you did the blazing off and the, the high and the low <laughs> voice. That made me laugh so much. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh, <so. laughs>
1: at the be- at the beginning of that scene there's a, a more serious quote that i just thought was was so indicative of of what this whole banking thing was when uh what's his name the newspaper man i always forget his name
4: America.
1: okay says uh trust gentlemen and ladies we live in faith <laughs> Uh, it's like, this is an opening of a bank, and it sounds more like the opening of a church or something. But... It does. That <laughs> yeah.
0: but... yeah, means Matt was right about his prediction.
6: Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're, they are obviously worshipping money. That's, more points. Yeah.
1: But they also had to have a lot of faith in the bank because the there was no federal insurance and all of that stuff any,
6: at that point.
5: My... Uh... My quote is, no one's here to fuck you, Steve.
6: <laughs> no one.
5: <laughs> no?
6: I have the last part of a qu- quote from E.B. Where uh, when he tells the that, that random woman that came out of nowhere to enjoy her supper. And then as she walked away, when will I raise courage to search that woman's room? <laughs>
5: so
6: creepy! What does he yes. do
5: to everyone? <laughs> <laughs> you, probably. <laughs>
6: So creepy,,
5: oh, there's like a little a
0: little rat.
4: He is. He
0: just wants to paw through the stuff. <laughs> Here's an exchange between Seth and Charlie. Be quick, you got me now. Must have been unwelcome to Mrs. Bullock, that horse being brought back, not wanting to intrude on her. Miss Stubbs, having to find out, might I ask you to speak in her stead as to something I believe we both know where she stand on. Is that your goddamn idea of quick, Charlie?
5: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Quotes? More quotes?
6: I like when Jack says, shall I accompany you as your second? My obvious unsuitability might confuse him. (laughs) I, I had that one, too.
1: <laughs> I love him. <laughs> yeah, I I love that one. Uh, here's one we, we alluded to earlier. It's the long one. Can I make up the hours once I'm beat? Your plans are idiotic. You're running for sheriff to be a fireman. And I hope to be a second deputy in case they start a fire department.
0: I think you guys talked about how stupid his his plan to be mayor was. <laughs> or to be sheriff to be Rather, sheriff. Yeah, to be sheriff to be a fireman.
1: But in a bizarre way, he's working his way around it.
0: <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like
1: he expects to be beat, but he keeps talking about he's using the platform to talk about the needing basically needing a fire department and hopes that once he's beaten, maybe he can become second deputy and that way become part of the fire department. It's it's circuitous, but okay. <laughs>
0: It's a kind of low ambition ambition.
1: Yeah, and taken the long way around.
0: If you stay in camp long, sir, you may have the delightful surprise of meeting your identical twin. (laughs) (laughs) I liked when uh, Brian
3: Cox is saying, he says to uh, Al, perhaps varying the time, varying the hour may help. And Al says, what's the hour's relevance? It's a techniques fucking awry. (laughs) And then... then then Go on, go ahead. No, Matt.
6: yeah, no, the the, the thing he Al actually follows that quote up. Is that what you were gonna say?
3: I think I think so, because he's yeah, like You're the cocksucker, just change your fucking angle.
6: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that Dolly's like, maybe if I get up on my knees? And then
0: she's like, Do you want a blanket?
6: <laughs> she keeps <laughs> like asking if she wants She's like being so
0: nice. How, how can can she reach your typewriter if she's on her knees?
6: The typewriter's on the floor.
0: Yeah, but she's farther above it. If she maybe, gets,
6: maybe there's a little footstool underneath the chair where she's typing as she's sucking his cock.
0: Oh, she will have to rearrange. Yeah, she'll have to put some books underneath the typewriter, to raise it up.
6: There's totally a setup for this. I know okay.
3: it. <laughs> it's been done already somewhere.
6: <laughs> <laughs> Someone's trying it out right now.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I liked when uh, when Dan was all upset, and then he says you and him haven't been through me and him haven't been through what me and you've been through. I was like, that's a great way of saying it, you know? Oh yeah. yeah.
0: Here's a Dan quote, a Hearst Johnny Dan quote. Morning, morning, morning. Best time of day to go fuck yourself.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Uh, I will say that tomorrow when I go into work and people say, good morning. I'll say best time of day to go fuck yourself. <laughs>
6: I would friends and influence people.
0: Any other quotes?
6: I want someone to do this in real life. Just like walking around and people just being polite. You don't really know them, but good morning. Go fuck yourself. Best time of day to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Wink. Ding. (laughs) Wink. (laughs) You've seen Deadwood, right?
3: That is terrible, though, isn't it? If you quote something like that, I remember at school we always to watch the young ones. you guys probably don't know what that is, but it was a mad t v show in the eighties and at school, we all used to go and quote it the next day and 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 then I remember leaving school quite soon after just going and quoting lines from the young ones, and people were looking at me like I was insane, I was like, "Oh, you don't watch the young ones then? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the case with any, with most things it went once you leave that little bubble yeah, of other people who know what you're talking about. Yeah. I saw, I saw a bio that somebody had written the other day, like yesterday, and he had written it in such a way that it was specifically for theater nerds. And I was eating it up. I'm like, Oh, okay. So he's saying that he was in Titanic and he was in Gilbert and Sullivan's Iolanthe and his wife was in Iolanthe and he was in, and <laughs> people are looking at me like I'm crazy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, in two weeks, we will return for episode 29, A Two-Headed Beast. So I'd like your predictions.
6: Is that like kind of like the beast with two backs kind of thing? <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun <laughs> <thought> of two. <laughs> Someone's going to have sex.
5: Someone's going to reveal a two-headed beast in their pants.
6: <laughs> oh, no! It's one of those 2 penis people. Yeah.
5: That'll mm. be a character in the camp. That or... was a plot element on Orphan Black this
0: week.
6: <laughs> so it's two I didn't <laughs> see it yet. Penis-y. No
1: spoilers. Um, do you think it's like two forces
6: joining together? Like, I mean, oh, it's oh no, it's Alma and Gross and Leon. Mm. <laughs> well,
0: if she's chasing that dragon, that dragon is a beast.
1: Mm. I was thinking more like. You know, I mean, you've got Hurst and Psy joining forces, so that's kind of a two-headed beast as opposed to, you know, sexual innu- innuendo, but but Psy is
6: such a lightweight <laughs> compared to
1: Hurst, so.
6: Everybody's going to pair up, and they're going to be stuck together in a sexual position the whole episode. <laughs> and that's how they're going to walk around the whole episode. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Don't take that position. You'll get stuck that way.
6: It's like a curse yeah. for the the day. You know they're the cursed. Yes. The curse of the curse of the two headed beast.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
3: like a Deadwood version of the human centipede. I'm imagining. Like, oh okay.
5: man! <laughs>
6: no, you will see a human centipede in this. I can guarantee you. That's my prediction. <laughs>
0: okay. I'm sorry. I tuned out. Matt, did we get your
5: prediction? <laughs> Right. Somebody has two dicks. <laughs> All right.
6: You still tuned at that?
5: <laughs> nope. Wide awake.
6: <laughs>
0: and Carol, I'm sure you said something intellectual and smarty fancy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, you know, part of me right now wants to come up with something really totally ridiculous just to prove you wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but I'm tired, so I can't. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just said that, you know, I said something serious, which was that it probably two power players are going to come together like, you know, Hurst and Cy were the first ones I was thinking of. But Cy such a lightweight at this point. I don't know if he could be dignified as being part of a two headed beast.
5: It'll be EB and Richardson.
4: <laughs> oh, no,
5: no. <laughs> They'll merge together. <laughs> hmm. I
4: just,
0: like the time when uh, William merged with that bicycle.
4: Oh, yes. oh. oh, oh,
0: oh. It's terrible! <laughs> he merged with a the, the hoof of a horse, I guess. Space <laughs> oh. did at least.
1: All I could think when Mel was talking was that you know she should cosplay what she was talking about and post pictures. What? <laughs> Your version of the two-headed beast? No,
0: I don't want to. No. That. <laughs>
1: no.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Has
0: anyone done that cosplay as the uh, human centipede? I can hear
3: keyboards tapping right now.
5: (laughs) Yeah,
0: pretty sure there was
4: like a someone getting into.
5: Did you ever see the Conan O'Brien like mascots who shouldn't dunk? I'm pretty sure there was a human centipede. Yes, there was. Yeah. Oh god.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and uh, this is from IO9. That cosplay won thousand dollars at Fangoria's Weekend of Horrors. No (laughs) way. Post it, please, so that
3: I don't have to search for it.
0: Okay, I will. And this person (laughs) says, Ew, ew, ew. I mean, not to diss anyone who's into that sort of thing, but that really does not tent my pants.
5: (laughs) He needs his pants shortened.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah, you could just take it to a Chinese launderman. And then once again, I will post on the Facebook group and confuse everyone in the group. (laughs) <laughs> yeah
3: that does me when I haven't listened to the episode yet like, yep <laughs> what
0: earth is that about and for our miscellaneous predictions uh well anyone have any suggestions
4: hmm.
0: okay well if there are no suggestions how many minutes before we get the first cocksucker of the episode oh
5: I don't know I don't remember hearing it that much this episode uh I, I think our brains mi- turned off thir- 13 minutes okay hmm.
1: Five. five. Five Ah minutes. <laughs> We both what? Did I, I take about. your answer? <laughs> what? Did I take
6: your answer? Yeah, we both set five at the same time. Well
0: if you if you both <laughs> say five and you and it's five minutes, you'll each get a point. Or one of okay. you could be a little bit different. Try and get that point for
5: yourselves. That's the kind of high stakes we play <laughs> here <laughs> on the podcast. Yes it is. When are when are we gonna be gonna be able to redeem these points for some like material goods <laughs> I'm
1: sticking with five. <laughs> All right, I'll go with three.
5: Okay, three, five, and whatever Matt said, done. Thirteen. Thirteen.
0: Thirteen. Thirteen. <laughs> All right.
1: So I'm going to go with Mel is going to win on this. That's mm. my prediction.
6: <laughs> a prediction on top of a prediction. I like it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> For bonus points, do you want to guess who will say it?
6: Um, L.
1: Uh... I want to hear Woo say it. We haven't seen in a long time.
0: <laughs> um, I'll go Sai. Carol, that's pretty. That's a pretty bold, out of the, out of the blue <laughs> pick. You sure you don't want to?
1: I'll, um, yeah, I'll, I'll be more reasonable. Um, Al is the one that makes the most sense. Who else? Who else do we have? Um, who else says a lot? Uh, the, 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 the. seems like there's someone obvious, and I'm
6: missing it. I feel like that's all Woo does say is cocksucker. Yeah, exactly. Switching. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, we can keep it as that.
6: Yeah,
1: I mean, hey, I'm playing for big stakes here. I'm you know, it's Yeah. Go big or go home. That's right. Um, you know what? I'm gonna change my prediction about what the two headed beast is about. Ooh. I'm gonna say that um that they discover uranium in the mines and that uh the the cannibalizing pigs finally start having two headed babies.
5: Oh <laughs>
1: there you go. Okay.
5: With human faces,
1: <laughs> with human faces exactly.
0: Once again, another crazy prediction from Carol. I
1: know, I know. What are you going to stop Hold
5: me crazy.
0: <laughs> try and dial it back a little bit,
1: okay? Hold me back,
0: Russell. Thank you for joining us this episode.
3: Thank you. It was great fun. I've I've had a ball, and it was uh, really yeah, it was really good fun to join you guys. Thank you for having me.
0: Do you have any projects you would like to? remote plugs?
3: No, well, you can find me on the internet if you're looking for trouble. Russell Leak. There's only one, just a Russell Leak, not a Russell Leak Leak. (laughs) That's now (laughs) what
0: Skype says. (laughs)
3: Russell Russellleak dot and I post, you know, music projects and things like that. And I was on the Creative Path podcast. I think that's coming out in a couple of weeks, which was which is a great podcast, by the way. Really, really good fun, and I'm guest on that, which was really good fun to do. So, yeah, that's all.
1: What do okay. they do on that podcast? What
3: are they talking about on that podcast? Uh, it's kind of it started off as you know, like a guy who loves music and talking to singer songwriters and his lo- his sort of local bands and musicians around, and then it's kind of grown over the. It's on to a second season, and it's it, there was an interview this season with a guy who uh, started a brewery, and it's basically anything where you're people are just being creative and starting something from scratch, or. Um, starting from zero and making something, which I love. It's just a, a, and, and also it's not necessarily people you would know. You know, it's not like the nerdist podcast where you're, you're sort of listening to people you, you, are who, who are well known. It's just little, you know, songwriters, singer songwriters and nobody's like me. <laughs> so, uh, so but it's really, I find it really interesting. And yeah, it's a really good podcast.
1: Russell, but you, you'll never be a nobody to us.
0: <laughs> yeah. You'll always be that guy that came on the show one time.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and talked incessantly about love joy
0: is there a chance to
3: just talk a little bit more before i go no but you also play music as well right yeah i'm a musician singer songwriter and i i uh, yeah i'm in a couple of bands and stuff yeah
0: so did you want to promote your well you gave your website yeah sure you it's all there it. you can find it all okay there. have you ever given any thought to podcasting yourself doing your own not really no but a friend of
3: mine who lives in canada I was telling you the guy with the bears and the wolves and stuff he's uh he's wants to start a podcast and has talked about doing something we might do something in the future but it's i've really enjoyed this it's been great fun and i enjoyed the creative path one so uh, who knows you never know
0: maybe you should start your own love podcast i think i Brug- yeah. may have pod faded
3: <laughs> they they sort of Pe- peaked didn't they with the first season by the looks of it so yeah it could be could be fun I don't know who would listen to it <laughs> maybe people in the UK might might listen to it for nostalgia
1: <laughs> well maybe you can have a resurgence of popularity of the show
3: yeah well when it came out when it came out on DVD there was a bit of a sort of buzz about it because also Ian McShane did a few interviews about it on, on the DVD so it's still it still runs on like one of the channels here you know and people people watch it but uh, not as avidly as me
4: of course
1: <laughs> what would you say russell is the is the thing about love joy that you particularly love i mean other than ian mcshane is in it but what is it what's the hook that you find that makes it you know so great
3: i think i think <laughs> that's a good question i think it's that it it's it's comfortable in that it was a Sunday night thing, you know, you were going back to work on the Monday. So you were sort of, so you always wanted, you know, it was like something comfortable to watch on a, and that it had this formula that was just, you know, Lady Jane would go, oh, Lovejoy, could you come and see my friend who, you know, has got some tax problems? And they would go around there and they'd look around the house and there'd be nothing. And then the old lady would make a cup of tea and Lovejoy would go ding and the teapot would be worth thousands of pounds you know and then there would be this crime caper around somebody else finding and and it was always pretty much the same format and there's something comforting about that i think there's something it's why we like retro things and nostalgia perhaps because we we like to you know have things that that are familiar to us
4: got it
0: okay Mm
3: -hmm. maybe maybe that's what it is do you watch the littlest hobo (laughs) yeah i love that show
0: it's like canada's love joy is that right really
5: I think they got it in in the UK as well, right?
3: Oh God, yeah. We, I mean, I I play music with a group of people that are dog trainers, and uh, they love that show and they love um, that song. And we used to do that song for fun, you know, the yeah. the, the song for the theme tune. So yeah, yeah it's, it was it was really loved. And it's funny because about the same time, I we also got Magnum over here a lot, and that was really well loved by um by the UK audiences.
5: Nice. Well, Magnum. Stay- Stay tuned for a uh, Littlest Hobo podcast from Mel. Really? Oh, great. Mel great. and Claire are going to do it. Oh, brilliant.
1: When you yep. said you got Magnum, are you talking about Magnum PI or some
2: it's, other
3: show? Exactly. There was, there was, I, I got the DVDs of those not long ago, and I started watching through them. And there was one episode, because I loved Magnum PI as well, but there was one episode where Ian McShane makes a guest slot he comes in as a as a villain and i was like this is just my dream
0: this is a dream <laughs> matt were you supposed to announce the littlest hobo podcast because claire's been very cagey
6: it's not his podcast what? it's mine
5: i know i i mentioned it is that allowed it's well it's, i mean
0: it's not it's
5: not official yet but that's
6: it's not for a while it's in the works yeah
5: in the From pipeline the, like is this, say?
0: Year.
6: Oh, this is the first uh, i've ever heard of that show
0: so i'm just... i'm really excited for this
6: yeah
0: is it gonna be called the like the littlest podcast
6: <laughs> uh, it might be called Littlest Hobocast,
0: or just Hobocast, or, or
6: just Hobocast. I'm not sure. It, the
0: Hobocast conjures up um, like other <laughs> images,
3: <witches>. but
6: Littlest <laughs> Hobocast works, I think.
3: Hmm. Aww, aww. Are you guys gonna do something for the Twin Peaks? Because there's a new Twin Peaks coming, isn't there? And is it next yes. year or the end of this year? Yes, we'll we'll <laughs> be back. Great, great. Because oh. I've just started listening to that and rewatching that, ready for the. For the new uh, show that's coming so that would be great. Nice. Make.
6: Yeah, we'll have to do that too, rewatch. Yeah. yeah. I did a
1: rewatch for Twin Peaks a while ago and and now I just found out my son has never seen Blue Velvet or Twin Peaks or anything, so mm-hmm. I'm going to be doing a rewatch with him.
6: Nice. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: Well, hey, I got to go cuz in 30 minutes I have to record uh, my Orphan Black podcast, Clone Dance Party. Oh,
8: cool. Aw, cool.
0: So we will see you in 2 weeks for a two-headed beast. Russell, you want to take us out with a fuck you? <laughs> fuck you. Nice. <laughs> Down by the sea lived a
9: lonesome Every day getting sadder and moister He found his home life awfully wet And longed to travel with the upper set Poor little oyster Fate was kind to that oyster We know when one day the chef From the park casino Saw that oyster lying there And said I'll put you on my bill of fare Lucky little See him on his silver platter, watching the queens of fashion chatter, hearing the wives of millionaires discuss their marriages and their love affairs. Pains. I came to town on my yacht today, but I think I'd better hurry back to Oyster Bay. Scared little oyster. Off they go through the troubled tide, the yacht rolling madly from side to side. They're tossed about till that poor young oyster finds that it's time he should quit his cloister. Here comes the oyster. A single qualm, for I've had a taste of society, and society has had a taste of me, wise little oyster.
3: Yeah, lovely. Pl- Hampton Court is a great place to visit. And uh it's sort of, we think of that as still London because it's sort of on the edges, you know. But it's um, it's um Henry VIII's, you know, place and residence when he was, you know. And it was, yeah, it's an amazing place. To visit. They've got an amazing maze there, great big maze. Did you go around the maze?
0: I don't remember, but I, I love uh, a good hedge maze. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. It's,
3: I, you know, yeah, love to visit that for that reason.
1: Yeah. My visit to England was a little odd because, um, I went with my mom and we skipped London altogether because I figured that I could come back and just do like a week in London yeah. at some point. So we just came into Heathrow and then got in the car and headed out to um, the to oh. south of England and just puttered around there for a week and then went up through the um, lake. Country and up to Scotland and around Scotland for a while and came down through York and, and got back to London and flew out. So, yeah, but it, it was, it was a wonderful trip. Um, south of England looks an awful lot like the New England in the United States. So, okay. I, there were times when I felt like as I was driving (laughs) through, like I was,
0: back in 30 New Jersey miles from
1: my house. Yeah. And <laughs> I was in Northern New Jersey and I was like, okay, I've come a few thousand miles to drive through Northern New Jersey.
3: It looks the and, same.
1: <laughs> yeah. And the Lake country is just like Northern New York state. It's okay. It's uh beautiful. And I'm like, okay, I could be in North Northern New York state right now. This is <laughs> but there are no roman ruins in new york state or in new jersey
3: no did you mm-hmm. get up no. to glencoe and scotland anywhere like that
1: yeah yeah we yeah. got up to phenomenal isle of sky
0: okay yeah, lovely guys i'm putting an end to this we gotta move yeah on. sorry <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was a great trip yeah. but i never did get back to london so i've got to do that
3: <laughs> cool well we can hook up outside the podcast and uh and chat and chat okay, um, that'd be tourism great. because that would be great yeah that
1: would be great yeah
0: sorry matt no that's yeah. all right i'm just
1: you can it, just cut some of this out I,
0: some of it might be cut out some of it might go out on the outtakes i'm just you know everyone's like yeah we got plenty of time and then you don't yeah. realize that when we get into a, into the episode it takes a while so and that's,
2: i have already to say-
0: starting late so let's just uh right. move into uh we have readers theater today
4: Excuse me, butt kiss?